21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date? 12th May, Thursday. What year? Assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. What is it with me? Why me? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. Welcome to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late-night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Adam Walker. Joining me, as always, is Morris Ufux, Reese Witherspoon Man, and Antonio. (laughs) And Antonio is our guest after much uh, back and forth of making this this, uh, arrangement happen. We're finally... You're all in the same internet room. So thanks a lot, guys, for uh, everybody collectively getting their shit together. No problem. And I, I insist uh, you call me Morris, you fucks. Anything. <laughs> Not just in this digital chat room we're in, but just anytime you see me. Can I, can I, can I say it like Morris? Morris. Dude, as long as I get to hear it, I'm, I don't care how you say it, but Morris U. Fox is officially my new name. All right. I can deal with that. Yeah. So, uh, Morris U. Fox, uh, <laughs> this is your collaborative episode. You are the one that decided the guest and the movie. So, I'm basically going to kind of let you take the wheel with this one. Well, that sounds good, but I uh, I thought my guest was going to take the wheel. Well, I'm gonna I let can you, take the wheel. I'm okay. I'm going to let you hand it off then. Yeah. Pilot the co-pilot. That sounds, that sounds great. I love this. Okay. Um, well, Antonio, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say say this wonderful movie that you and I collectively picked because this is a long time coming. Antonio and I have been fans of this movie forever. And uh, we have really been looking for any excuse that we could to like do something like this. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's like perfect. This is like a we discussion. do this all the time, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we, we have this discussion like every day, basically. <laughs> um, so the movie that we are going to be talking about today is James Cameron's The Terminator. 
And uh, as far as all the background info, I'm going to let Antonio, my guest, kick this off. Uh, Antonio, if you want to maybe introduce yourself real quick as well. Yeah. Uh, my name is Antonio Marquez. Uh, live in Kansas City. Play uh, Played in a band with John for a long time. Spine. I played in some other bands. Um, big fan of movies. Um, so like John was saying, this is kind of like a perfect uh, opportunity for you to hear a little bit of our discussions we have pretty frequently about this movie, as well as, um, you know, kind of letting in some other folks into with a discussion typically into <laughs> being, being like, um, but yeah, I can just go right into it. Uh, you know, just first things first, you know, movie came out in 84, um, James Cameron, which as a sidebar, like we can all agree is, is kind of tragic how like, terrible of a turn his career has taken you know um how awful these avatar movies are and like honestly like i don't want to like too far off here i don't want to go too far off here but i want to just say that like i just i couldn't i couldn't let this slide but like like even though titanic's cool like true lies is really like starts the 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 him going downhill and true lies is amazing but anyways this is like t t1's like arguably like you know his crown jewel right um in terms of like this genre of film so anyways james cameron director starring michael bean arnold schwarzenegger linda hamilton um so on and so forth right um kind of like a big background like a a quick background on like the movie for people that I've never heard of Terminator. I don't really know what the movie's about or anything like that. Um, it's a movie about a cyborg assassin um, referred to as a Terminator. Um, he travels from 2029 to 1984 to kill Sarah Connor, who is played by Linda Hamilton. <laughs> um, the Terminator is basically sent... Uh, another Terminator, sorry, Michael Bean's character is sent to protect Sarah. Co- Sarah, he's not a fucking Terminator. No, no, no. I got this all fucked up. Sorry. <laughs> Did you really watch this movie? So, 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 so a Terminator, a Terminator is sent back in time to kill Sarah Connor. Whilst that is being done, someone from the Resistance is being sent. Kyle Reese, okay. Um, who divulges the idea of Skynet that is coming, right? An artificial intelligence system uh, that is supposed to basically end the world as we know it. Um, She's targeted because Skynet knows that her unborn child um, will lead the fight against them um, with a virtually unstoppable force, in in this case, the Terminator, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger in Hot Pursuit, her and Kyle attempt to escape. And that's essentially like the movie as you're coming in to, to watch it. So that's kind of like the synopsis of it. Right. Um, I, I guess like a background, uh, just to continue with it, like it was, it was made on a really small budget. So $6.4 million budget. Um, some stuff that I know, like off the top, uh, the, the studio did not, was did not feel strongly about this movie at all um wanted to shelve it um ended up releasing it grossed 78 million dollars and there was a lot of discussions about who was going to take credit for this movie 
was it the um, you know was it the company that released it and in that case like the the head of the the studio at the time or was it James Cameron so there's a been a lot of like really funny like back and forth about that but um, it really kind of set James Cameron um, up for I think you know really the career that you see now unfortunately making <laughs> fucking Avatar movies so uh, so yeah that's a that's a bit of the background there dude I uh, want to talk I want to talk for the next three hours about how <laughs> Avatar sucks actual pieces of shit out of a toilet. So this is going to pivot from talking about Terminator to just how much you hate Avatar. I was hoping. So, spoiler like, alert, anybody that's here to, to hear about the Terminator, fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> it would actually be awesome if this just turned into us talking about Avatar for a long time. I, I could have I mean, some things to say about Avatar that aren't quite as uh, vitriolic as you, but yeah. It's just it's just sad. The only thing I just want to say about it is just sad, I think, because from his upcoming like from his coming up in the industry and these ideas, you know, the idea of Terminator was like this like it was a dream he had. He had this dream and then he wrote the story, right? So it's like you know, and let's you know, then you've got Aliens, you know, which is the sequel. You know, obviously, then that brings in you know the connection to a, like if you see Aliens and you see Terminator, it's almost like a makeup of what ends up coming with T two, which we're not going to get into, but like you see him come up with these like really interesting sci fi horror like action movies. He he then does Titanic, which is like really doesn't really it's it's a fun movie, but it. It doesn't feel like a James Cameron movie. And then after that, he's, I mean, he's gone. He's basically gone by the time Titanic comes up. So it's just like, damn, fucking sucks. Well, fucking. Wanna, his glory day. Yeah. What I <laughs> yeah. wanted to ask, though, did you, either one of you guys, uh, have any notable critical reception poll quotes about this? That of, like the time, of like the time? Yeah, that oh, would, oh, would di- diverge from what... What you would think is like you would think that this was a pretty critically well received movie, but do you think there was ever any moment where people were like, "No, this is a piece of shit"? Damn, I mean that's a really good question. I didn't like, I didn't look into, I don't actually look into like reviews like that. The thing that I will do, I did do before this, is I was just curious, is to know like what the Rotten Tomato meter was, and it had a hundred percent. That like that's based off of like critics. So my yeah. assumption is is that. They, that was all stuff that they had back when the movie was le- released in 84 and they basically yeah. compiled it. That's just my assumption. So having a hundred and, and the audience score was actually 89 compared to the critic score of a hundred, which is usually it's, I feel like you usually see the opposite, right? Like a little bit of an inverse, but yeah, I didn't get any like specific quote, like quotes from like, you know, Cisco and Ebert or anything like that um, of the time. Brandon, you want to chime in here? Uh, yeah, I too didn't look up reviews because I just kind of figured unanimously this movie is seen as a hit, like a a renowned movie in science fiction and American cinema and cinema in general. Um, you know, yeah, I always I always thought it kind of had like a like a Nightmare on Elm Street effect to it, to where it's like wasn't supposed to do well and it, it fucking killed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean coming off just, just the cast alone, you know, um, with all of the American, um, I guess, superstardom that Schwarzenegger got from Conan, 
you know, moving into this movie, what Conan was 82, the barbarian was 82. So yeah, they're moving into this in, in 84. It's like, well, for an action picture, this is going to be a slam dunk just from the casting of Schwarzenegger, I think was probably, and you probably get into some of that in the trivia um, about him, you know, Cameron trying to botch the <laughs> meeting with Schwarzenegger in the first place, but um, well, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't look up reviews about it for, for, you know, above mentioned points, but as far as this movie goes, it's, it's a hard movie to talk about on this show. I think um, just because I think we unanimously all, almost unanimously have only good things to say about it. It's like it kind of moves on quick because there's not really a lot to dissect. The story is well thought out, you know, um, not a lot of plot holes. I, I don't know. I don't know how to really add to the um, off the top. It's funny you mentioned that because I kind of think of the Terminator, the Terminator as like, you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as it's like, you know, obviously perfect, right? Or you could actually consider it one maybe like the grandfather of plot holes. <laughs> that's that's actually where I I land on that end where it's it like is, there's I see so many plot holes, but I don't even like worry about it. I just like I don't care. You know what I mean? The very concept of the movie is a massive plot hole. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I'm I'm excited to get into that for sure. Because yeah. So there, there's a there's a burning question I've had for a really long time that is really unanswerable. Um, but when you talk to people who subscribe to quantum mechanics and quantum physics and the idea of time travel even existing, you know, there's kind of two different divergent opinions about it. Um, so I'm curious what you guys think. But well, for, for being a movie, a science fiction picture in general, for all of the, you know, possible plot holes there are the direction that it takes and pulls you in uh, I, I am a pedantic person you two know this I will pick apart <laughs> this dumbest shit but I, I told Antonio this already I said be prepared because Brandon and I kind of like sometimes rival each other but usually Brandon wins when it comes to the questionable section <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the thing about this movie I mean with as many questions that comes along I can easily forego them I can just kind of okay I can suspend my disbelief quite easily because for the things for its strengths it completely outweighs the plot holes for me Oh, for sure. And when I say that, I don't mean yeah. anything bad. I just mean like it's an ironic comment that you yeah. made where sure. you were like, oh, no plot holes. And I'm like, well, <laughs> the Terminator itself, the the I, the story itself is like – it's one of the most impossible backwards – like if you start to really think about it, I don't know. Maybe we could get into this later. But it's yeah. kind of funny how impossible this story really is. Yeah, I definitely, again, I want to get into that in the questionable. This is like a, a a main point I want to have with this particular episode is trying to unravel the issues of the time travel and right. and how this even could possibly come about. Well, and um, I, think that, I think that a lot of things that get fucked up, it, I think that 
to get into the time travel, you have to consider just this movie, not the rest of the franchise, because it gets fucked up when other people take hands into it really bad. You know, we we literally have to look at T1 standing alone and not consider anything else. Right. Yeah. Which is what I think we all intend to do. Even like Antonio said, like, I mean, I'm sure T2 will come up and I, 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 almost hope it does but it, it has to i'm definitely bringing it up for one right. point in particular i i have okay cool well that, yeah that's really all i have off the top i mean um when when this movie was brought up i was like i don't even know if i have to watch it i have seen this movie so many times through my life like i can i can quote shit you know yeah. them <laughs> before it even happens I mean, it's Terminator, just like, Terminator is- I, I will say this. I will say this. I, I, I was, there was parts of this movie where I was nearing getting emotional <laughs> because of like one nostalgia two, And I think this outweighs my first point of nostalgia is just how good it is to watch this, like how good certain parts feel to watch, you know, you're like, yes, that, is a that is, that is shot so well it's uh, uh it's a masterpiece i yeah. i think uh it's kind of like like as far as like being ingrained in our heads i feel like it's like the minor threat discography of movies right. yeah where yeah, it's, like, it's cornerstone of any cinema of almost any person born in america at least yeah um, since, we're, since we're kind of like taking Taking the lead here a little bit, Antonio and I, I kind of want to go around and start out by our relationship to this movie, like where we first saw it, all that shit. Like, what, wh- where did it start for each one of us? Starting, starting with Antonio. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be important to st- to state because my perspective on this movie is is going to be different because. Um, my age when I was born and what I was introduced to at first Terminator was not my first entry to this. It was T2. I yeah. had no idea that there was a Terminator that, that was before T2. I grew up like, you know, with like sequels and everything. So I'm kind of a sequel apologist in a lot of ways because that's kind of like my entry to a lot of, um, you know, uh, movie series. Right. Um, so T- I see T2 and it's not, and my uncle's the one that shows me it, and I love it, watch it all the time. And he was like, hey, like, did you know that there was like another Terminator before this one? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, this is like Terminator 2. And I was like, well, <laughs> no, like, you know, I'm like, th- and I was thinking about this. I, I want to say this was like over 20 years ago. <clears throat> and he was like, yeah, like, check it out. Um, it was on uh, uh, HBO one night. And he was like, you should watch it. Like, check it out. I was like, all right, cool. How old were you when you watched T2? T2, I was probably like 10, you know, okay. something like that. And like my uncle, my uncle is like who got me into like movies really. So he showed me like all the good stuff from Terminator to Heat to Nightmare on Elm Street, right? So um, he was like, watch Terminator. I want to say this was like 99, 2000. And because it was in um, it was when you got the I don't know if you guys remember HBO would send out remember the little the little booklets they would send out for like the month of like what was going to be on TV. And so he was like, hey, it's going to be on tonight at this time on HBO. And so we sat and we watched it. Bro, 
it blew <laughs> my fucking mind because I'm not used to Arnold being being a bad guy, right? Like I'm not used to that. I'm not used to I hadn't been I hadn't even experienced that, right? I'd seen Conan before I saw Terminator, put it that way. So right. like seeing Terminator like just really fucked with me. And it was like and it was dark and it was like just kind of like it was just raw. And I was just like I wasn't like it just wasn't in my like frame of mine when I watched the first time. So it really, it really like shook things up for me and it made me see the, the sequel in a much, much different light. Um, but it was interesting cause, um, I think that my reaction, I've never asked anyone this, but like, I would assume that my reaction because I'd seen T2 before is probably pretty common for people that go back and see Terminator, uh, like the first one, just how, of uh, inverse it is right so that was my first time watching it that's funny um to, a parallel point to that is like when you hear a song and you really uh attach to it and then you find out that that is a cover version of yeah. an earlier version <laughs> yeah. and you go yeah. listen to the original version and you, i don't really know that i like this as much mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it wasn't what you were introduced to first so so yeah. so, na- so now so now would you prefer t2 or t1 if if, if, put, if put a gun put to your head. Brandon, listen, Brandon, I don't want this to turn into how you got into Alien Ant Farm. Uh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> whatever, Morris. Oh, shit. Um, man, I, I really I really don't know if we should answer that question, if I should answer that question. But like – but I'll say that I, I would I would say to this day I still I, – I'm still partial to T2, no question. Yeah. And no shame. They're both. Yeah, excellent. no, no, no question. T2. But the reason for that is because I feel like <laughs> I feel like <laughs> for, me, worked up. <laughs> for, for me, for me, for me, T2. Um, I don't know. I feel like it has a it's basically James Cameron does this shit. It's it's very much like the same movie. Except what he did is he introduced what he did in Aliens with the android. Now the android's good, right? Yeah. The android's not bad like it was an alien. So he basically did the inverse of that, made the Terminator good, sent him back in time, and basically did the inverse of like the good versus bad with other social commentary and other things that like you pick on more as you get older. But I don't know. I think like T2 is like a lighter watch. Terminator is pretty hard. Like it's kind of a hard, like not a hard watch. Like for me, I'm just saying that like, it's, it's a heavy movie, whereas T2 is like kind of like more of like a sci-fi action movie. It's kind of like more fun and light, you know, light, whereas like Terminator is like, you know, a sci-fi horror movie. So it's like, you know, buckle up. You know what I mean? So I'd say T2 is kind of what I kind of like gravitate towards, but it's also the first thing that I saw. So, yeah, you know, I, I would I would I would make akin the heaviness, which you're talking to about to like something like red dawn you watch red dawn which also came out in 84 oh yeah that's yeah. pretty fucking brutal bunch of kids die trying to fight off the ruskies <laughs> yeah well and especially in the context of the time period too you know right. so when you watch it in in like what was going on during that time period and really like take that piece in because a lot of that a lot of that cold war stuff that like honestly infiltrates terminator the con all that the whole kind of concept of that and the t1 like some of that gets lost because people not people aren't connected weren't connected to it or weren't even like born around that time period so like that whole like idea of like fear of world war three is like is feels like science fiction to people nowadays instead of back then it was very you know very realistic that's why a movie like terminator really I think resonated with people because it was like shit, you know, like this is, this is for real. Sure. 
So, I mean, obviously, going back a few minutes, like, I've known forever that Antonio prefers family comedies to horror movies. So, of course, he's going to like T2 more. But that's a whole other argument we we will have later. Um, I just want to say that another parallel is I also saw this for the first time on HBO, um, which is kind of funny. But um, I was in third grade. I, I think I had just turned eight years old. I made this new friend who lived in this like fucked up house and had like scary ass parents. And I was sleeping over at his house. Probably shouldn't have been, but I did. And, you know, cause I, I grew up pretty nice. My, my family is pretty, pretty great. Um, but this dude, this dude, like, I don't know. His his house was scary, man. Uh, <laughs> but it was 3 a.m. and we were still up, you know, kids sleepover or whatever. And the Terminator just comes on HBO. And we watched it in his scary-ass basement on this shitty little TV, pitch black. And I uh, – nothing will ever shake this memory from, from my head seeing that movie for the first time. I was like – Holy shit. Like, I think that being eight years old, I was like partly afraid of it, but also like you can imagine like it was like the greatest night that I had ever experienced in my entire <laughs> life at that point. Wow. Seeing the movie. Um, I mean, it's like and, – and you know what? When I watch it now, I try to like always go back to that night, you know, because the setting that I saw it in was so almost like equally as horrific as the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, without going too much into it, like I said, this dude's this dude had a shitty home home life. Like, and the contrast between that and my upbringing, like, I almost felt like I shouldn't have been spending the night over there. You know what I mean? And that's when I saw the Terminator, and it was uh, pretty 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 much something else. You know? Uh, well, I'll write on that because I live just like your friend. I was that shitty kid with shitty parents in that horrible <laughs> fucking place. My mom, my, when I was a little kid, my mom worked for a telecable company. I grew up in like a condemned house. We didn't have running water. All of our windows were broken out and shit, but we had every cable channel because that was part of the perk of working for the cable company. So I can't even tell you when I watched this movie the first time because there was also no – restrictions on what I watched or anything. Um, Listen, man, we didn't even have cable. So don't talk to me about living rough. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, that was my parents basically was the television. So um, uh, this movie is, is one of the first, I now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, it's definitely one of the first memories of anything I've ever seen um, along with, I liked all the scary shit. I actually have this picture on my wall of me when I was like four years old with Nightmare on Elm Street, the box in my in my lap, and I'm sitting there just completely fucking annoyed because my I was waiting for my sister to finish her show so I could watch it. So, um, but I do remember being terrified by like the apocalypse kind of scenes in this um, because I knew that that was like a a reality that, you know, war has happened or whatever kind of shit that I've watched before. I knew that was something that existed. 
And um, the idea of some autonomous machine, you know, ruling the world was a, a concern of mine when I was real, real young because of this movie. But um, yeah, watching this, watching this today to uh, more with like a critical kind of eye and, and lens, not just for the enjoyment of watching it. I nearly got emotional. Like I said, I mean, it's, this movie's really ingrained to my um, life throughout my life. So um, I'm, I'm happy we're talking about it, but it's weird watching this movie. It could have ended after the tanker truck explosion and been a great movie, <laughs> but then yeah. it goes on to the final act and it's just unreal that this happened in 1984. This movie was made. I can't believe I, I still can't believe it. I mean, it's just Dude, that the tanker truck, like it's, it almost reminds me of like a first blood song yeah. where it's like, you think the song's over and then there's another, movie. <laughs> it's like, like the song's ringing out, you know, after like three, six breakdowns. And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> you know like that one one ending after one ending after the the next you know sure yeah Love it. all right i guess that leaves me i'll try and make this as quick as i can as uh, so i'd like to get into the the bulk of the movie uh so i'm gonna assume Per our guests, that I am still the oldest one of all four of us. So, as far as my relationship to this, I would have to say it's kind of been lost to time and dust a little bit. Uh, but I definitely did see it before T2, and I'm pretty sure I saw it at the drive in around the time that it came out. If that tells you anything, <laughs> holy shit, that's, that's pretty sick. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> I, I saw I saw Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome and Return of the Jedi at the drive-in when they came out. That's so, awesome. but That's uh, awesome. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I love this movie, and um, I think I think as far as like maybe having more like memories attached to. The first one and then the second one, I have more distinct memories attached to the second one because I was much older at that time. Um, I, in fact, like I intentionally tried to look like uh, Ed Furlong <laughs> at that time from that movie. <laughs> like I had my head shaved. I wore the public enemy shirt. I wore the army fatigues, the whole nine yards. Like I thought like that guy was the coolest character in a movie ever like coolest kid character but i think as far as if i had to say like it's one of those discussions where you say like with a band you're like this is the band's best album but this is my favorite album it's that difference where i will say like yeah. technically as a movie t2 is better but t1 is my favorite uh -huh. and i think it you know, because of you guys know what I like, like it resonates more with what I like aesthetically for a movie. It's dark and gritty. It's, you know, it's, it's like a noir picture. It's like, a, yeah. you know, so it's like a sci-fi noir picture. So yeah, I prefer to watch it if I had to get, you know, I had to have the choice. 
So and I'll, agree, I'll agree with you that T1 is my favorite and T1 is also better. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that I'm on that. Um, but there's some nuance there. I mean, it depends on who's watching. For somebody of my sensibilities, I definitely like the first one. It's it's more cut and dry, and it's just more of the misery the whole time. There's not really yeah. any kind of hope, hopeful right. feeling. Just to circle back to the point we keep saying, like, T2 is a fun movie. T1 is a horrible, like, movie to watch as far as how it makes you feel in a lot of ways. I mean, it's it makes you feel great because there's so many great scenes, and it's like... The story's great, but like it is a despairing film <laughs> to yeah, watch. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Um, Literally, um, like it's like an actual nightmare that yeah, they're trying to like prevent, you know? Totally. So, but what I want to say before we move on is for those of you that are joining us for the first time on the show, I wanted to also note that talking about this movie is kind of a swerve for us. It's an outlier because typically the movies we talk about, they're cult movies that either they're really appreciated amongst cult movie fanatics or they've been kind of forgotten and we're trying to like reevaluate them or whatever. This is a movie that not only was a cult kind of like indie movie in a lot of ways that got so adopted into the cultural zeitgeist that it became a classic. It's one of those type of movies. And like we, the only other movie we've talked about, like that's really that way fully, in my opinion, is we did talk about Road Warrior in the first season. So that's a mm-hmm. similar one, you know, where it got so fully mm-hmm. adopted by, you know, like the critical elite. Sure. Well, let me, a good, let me, you know, this, this is a great film or whatever. So, yeah. Let me ask you this because you did mentioned that you saw this almost around the time of its release. How do you think it was received by people your age, uh, you know, from your observance uh, at the time that it was coming out? Kids loved it. Like, there is one story I can definitely tell you that was related to this movie. So when I was in elementary school, we'd have like a field day thing every year where, you know, we'd have different competitions and stuff. I don't know if you guys had this at your schools, but like kids would do things like the sack race, you know, it was like that. Yeah. yeah, We had that. Yeah. Well, we had the tug of war and I was particularly proud that I felt like every year my tug of war team did the best and we were called the terminators. Dude, I I have to, I have to say this and I am not, (laughs) you're like, you like dug up a memory for me and I am not (laughs) shitting you at all. When I was in third grade, we had what was called field day, okay, yeah. exactly as you're describing, and I was on a tug of war team called the Terminators. I am not <laughs> shit. See, I, that's that is, what I mean, dude. That is fucking unbelievable to me that this is an this is also something that happened with you. Well, like, it's like yeah. it's like this time travel shit. That's a parallel universe, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. same team. Actually, as you were starting to tell this story, I started to remember, and I was like, "Is he going to say that he's he was on a tug of war team called the Terminators?" Wait a Maybe, minute! Yeah. Wait a minute! Is Adam actually your father, and he yeah. sent someone back in time? <laughs> so the, the tug of war was the thing that had to be done to save the world. Essentially, <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Right. What we're going to awesome. find out is that Adam did not 
grow up in rural Indiana, but rather a really nice suburb of Chicago. And it was on my, my war team. Exactly. Well, that's amazing. So without further ado, then, unless anybody else has anything to add, I think this is a good time to pivot into the good, bad, and the questionable. Sure. Yes? Let's go for it. Nice night for a walk, eh? Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? (laughs) Nothing clean, right. Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six-pack. You're close. Give them to me, now. Fuck you, asshole! All right, starting with the good, once again, I'll hand it off to our host and co-host of this. You guys lead, take the lead, but and we'll let, follow. Let, let me just put one caveat in. We okay. unanimously all know this movie is good. So yes. just bring up your high, just your bullet point bests, because this could go on for hours. Yeah, yeah. 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 Antonio, you, you go ahead and, and lead this. <laughs> I think like the, the the one point, because I'm sure we're going to talk about all of these, but like the one point that I think is like they did and they did like the best. I can't think of anything like that could that, that really captured this. But the idea of the time period of people being afraid of technology. Right. And what technology what technology could do, right? And and to be fair, we're we're about we're straight up what forty years. We're almost forty years from when that movie came out, and we're just now seeing some of that of what people were afraid of really start coming into play. Now we have with AI and and this whole thing of what can happen with displacement for work, and how could this continue on, right? Like they were putting the seeds in. People were obviously really afraid of computers and everything that was coming with that at the time and the advancement of that at people's jobs and everything. Um, and at the time you would, you know, people would say that what was happening then was science fiction and we're seeing some of that now. And that's taken a long time to get there to where we are with some of this now official AI technology that we have in terms of like from a mass consumption standpoint, it's been around for a lot longer than that. But I think capturing that whole idea in that sentiment of fear in, in putting this into a movie and, you know, having the Terminator be basically the face of like what that fear was, is pretty remarkable. Um, and I think for me, that's probably like the biggest, most impactful takeaway I have from the movie. If I'm thinking of something from like a, like a philosophical standpoint and not like, oh shit, it's awesome when he like carves his fucking eye out. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that would say for me, that's that's the good. That's like the big point for me that I wanted to make. Can yeah. I can I step in real quick and, and circle back to something you were talking about as far as like the Reaganite Cold War fear that mm-hmm. also I think is associated maybe with this movie that maybe isn't Definitely. as obvious as some movies is. I think that's also evident in, I don't know how intentional this was, but by having Schwarzenegger be the Terminator, you have this man who has a thick accent essentially you know mm. so in a lot of ways subconsciously even that could have been represented like oh here's a foreign invader 
yeah, that, you know, definitely, take, yeah. you know, taking over. Um, so that was a good point that I, 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 I like that you brought up with that too. Just putting, yeah. again, seeping it into the zeitgeist of the time of the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the two superpowers battling each other for ultimate domination. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. In like, don't want to divert, but he, but Cameron knows exactly what he's doing with this movie and what he's doing in T2 in terms of like a lot of the political and social undertones that are in there. So I absolutely, absolutely think things like that are, were, were done and ver- done very intentionally because of that. Yeah. I, and I think when you said the word fear, that's like the most important, like when you think of the horror genre, right? Like I guess sci-fi and horror together is kind of like a, it's like a like an enhancement it's like it's like horror on boner pills you know like (laughs) it's like like i think when it comes to fear i think like this movie like instills that fear in the audience like so much greater and more intensely than like a movie like halloween or nightmare on elm street like i'm not to say that there's anything like bad about those two classics but like when i think of like fear like that's pretty much what the horror genre is is fear you know (laughs) and like i can't think of a scarier movie than the terminator like i really can't yeah to that point i'd like to add as part of my good is that that opening you know typed monologue that comes on the screen and i quote the machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire their war to exterminate mankind had raged for decades, uh, but the final battle would be fought. Wouldn't be fought in the future. It would be fought here, our present, tonight. That's. I hard think as this. That's hard yeah. as fuck. I think this movie helped me to become somewhat of a neo luddite. Um, instilled in me a very young. I mean, it's super prophetic. Like if you think about 2029 is when this war is happening, you know, we're coming up on that now and we're seeing essentially real life versions of Skynet coming into our real life world. It kind of makes you wonder, um, you know, did art influence reality or did, was that just always something that would come along? Yeah. Is that trajectory we're, we're just destined to be on? Yeah, uh, I wanted to put in real quick as far as a good, a specific good as far as scenes go. Right off the top, this movie starts off. Speaking of hard as fuck, starts off with mechanized tanks crushing piles of skulls. Sick. Yes, amazing. <laughs> I love all. The, I love all those scenes. It's so badass. Dude. It's so sick. <laughs> I get chills, dude. Like thinking about how sick this fucking movie is. Yeah. Um, the score is really good. You know, it's obviously amazing. there's that recurring theme song that everybody anywhere knows. Um, it's one of the best movie theme songs ever written. Yeah. And just like when the pursuit starts happening and they change it yeah. slightly, um, that weird, I don't even know what. <laughs> yes, that weird <laughs> bouncing electronic shit. Pretty sick, yeah, that sequenced line is so like, catchy. Yeah. Something you'd have like in a Nintendo game, like Blade Runner. score is like timeless. It's yeah. like, yeah. you hear, I mean, you hear it 
like try to be imitated today and it's like well you know you you know he was imitating carpenter yeah you can totally carpenter we're not here to hey, 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 come on man let's <laughs> come on chill There's out some water on that hot take my man i'm, I'm just this, saying i'm not a hot take i don't have any problem with carpenter i'm just saying. I'm, I'm just uh, i'm just saying that he was like really influenced by carpenter and he wanted to recreate basically like his version of you know of like the halloween thing right which is like yeah. pretty 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 amazing yeah. i mean that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so, it, it doesn't take anything away from it. I'm just saying, like, that's that was his inspiration. He saw yeah. something, like, so impactful. That's what he wanted to recreate, you, and he obviously what, did so. You know what you just did? I, that, that would be, like, me being like, yo, I really like that Think I Care record. And you'd be like, you know they're influenced by SSD, right? It's like, well, oh, you were you were going you were going on about about his about the the soundtrack. I thought it was important to to state that yeah, it was like yeah. that he credits that he credits Carpenter with a lot of his motivation behind the, the score of the movie. I, I, Mar- yeah, Morris, I, Morris is punchy tonight, throwing yeah, some yeah. fucking internet bows just, right now. Uh, it's just because Antonio's here. It's, yeah. this, is bound to, this is bound to happen. I'm being very respectful on this, by the way, because I'm not, I don't want to derail this thing with us just like like bickering at each other. So, so yeah. I was hoping I was hoping you would you would play along, but it's cool. I can take a step back. We talked a bit about plot holes and stuff, and that'll come. But I'm a stickler yeah. for little little things. Like if a director takes just a couple minutes to just throw a a tidbit of explanation towards something, mm. um, that uh, that always goes along with me. I know you know uh, footage real time is 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 very crucial in editing and stuff. So the amount of um, time that they took just like little moments to show you know things like how does resources materials like that scene in the beginning where he breaks into that fucking store he gets that's how he got his clothes he rips off the fucking pants from some tramp in an alley he gets that shotgun he saws he saws off the stock you know it shows uh the terminator go into the pawn shop the gun store and stuff making the pipe bombs and talking about how he knows how to make them. All of those little bits um, definitely help me overlook plot holes, you know? And, and that's the thing that I feel Carpenter's, or sorry, Cameron is good at in general. See? Right. See? <laughs> yeah. It's like putting like the actual, like the science and practicality right. behind the plot. Yeah. So um, Definitely. What I wanted to add as far as goods also is I like seeing the young Bill Paxson and Brian Thompson there I, as the you know, that's cool. punks. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know if it was good enough to put into trivia, but I didn't know until today I put that connection together. Fucking Cobra. You yeah, pigs. Cobra. He's yeah. a punk in that movie too, if you think about it. Brian also, Thompson, baby. For me, Brian Thompson will always be uh, the primary uh, – alien vigilante in x-files yeah me too me too that's yeah. where i that's where i like always kind of knew he looked familiar but never put it together and yeah it's pretty pretty awesome pre pre cameo yeah, yeah. he's, you, so, he's got seen, such um, a distinct face <laughs> right well, yeah it's like it's like in his cheekbones or something it's like some it's like i feel like it's just like all like in his cheeks like i feel like it's very like distinct right yeah, yeah. he's a 
pretty fucking weird looking guy. And I, I didn't look close awesome. enough in this movie. Does he just naturally have watery eyes or is that just a Cobra thing where he looks like he's on the verge of tears all the time? I think that's just how he looks. <laughs> Unfortunate. Had you guys seen uh, Mortuary before? Not to like go off, but we were talking about Bill Paxton. Have you guys ever seen Mortuary? No. Oh, yeah. I love Mortuary. He's okay. such a weirdo in that movie, too. So, so weird. So weird. I, I went through like a Paxton like deep dive a, a few years ago. And uh, yeah, seeing that movie and knowing that that like I think it came out like a, like a few years or so before his like time in, in Terminator is pretty, yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, um, that's that's great. So, you know, movies like The Road Warrior, where they have this long pursuit or whatever. Now, now, nowadays, I think people would think more like Fury Road. That entire movie is a pursuit. This movie is an, a pursuit from beginning to end. Yeah. And I like that. That there's not, they don't jump off to do a lot of shit. Like, you know, it shows uh, there's the romantic evening or there's where the Terminator's staying when he's doing surgery on himself, shit like that. But it's a just nonstop. It adds to the dread to know that these people cannot stay in any place for very long at all. Totally. Um, yeah. Got to be on their own. Right. Yep. Well, I have yeah. uh, I have a long list of uh, of goods that I can just rattle off. It won't it won't take long. Um, Hammer away, my man. It's uh, all right. So opening sequence, Los Angeles, 2029 AD, super bleak, like maybe the bleakest that any movie has ever started out because (laughs) I mean, just, you know, like you quoted Brandon, like the machines wrote like that entire like script that just appears with just like a really faint kind of like depressing score in the background, you know, Um, there's no real people in the opening sequence there's no dialogue it's just a landscape basically remains of people yeah Yeah. and like machines like i think that's a a really intentional and important way to start off the movie because the whole idea that the human race is gone is what you are immediately hit with is that there is no life left this is this is machines right Mm -hmm. um First appearance of Arnold with the drum score in the background, just dun, 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 you know, okay. and he he walks out and looks out onto L.A. I think that also that shot is also unbelievable. Like just the view of the city, you know, it's like it's like you see him basically towering over millions of people, right. and that itself is like illustrative of like yes, these machines. You are fucked. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's the Terminator versus all of Los Angeles, and he will probably win. <laughs> he does. He does win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he doesn't. But, like, the idea of the future, like, he's won already, and that's what we're trying to change, right? So right. Um, I think that in the opening scene, you get – and, you know, I've always gone back and forth, like – is Arnold Schwarzenegger a talented actor or is he just like the the most perfect like stakehead that they could find to play the Terminator? But I will say if we're looking at it from an, a talented acting standpoint, like I, the, the emotionless like performance that Arnold gives even from the first scene on is just like incredible to me. Like yeah. 
like being able to play a Terminator, like it's just there is absolutely zero, and that's actually going to come into some of the questionable that I have later, um, where there's like a few blips in this, but just that opening scene where he's like fighting the punks or whatever, like just you really believe that he's a robot. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep rattling this off. Um, Kyle Reese's entrance and the very first Kyle chase with the police is just super intense um, and believable. You know, yeah. um, I also, even though like, you know, you want to kill this character, um, Sarah's coworker, the, the, the Ginger? waitress. Ginger? No, no that's her no, roommate. That's her roommate. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name's Nancy. You're dead, honey. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> when she says, look at it this way in a hundred years, who's going to care after the kid puts the ice cream in her? her yeah, what a just, fucking asshole. That fucking kid, man. I'd like a, I know. beat fuck that, that fucking kid. kid's ass. Like, fuck him. <laughs> when, she says, when she says in a hundred years, who's going to care? I feel like that's like an incredible line. Like I, I, I think that like it's said by a dumbass character, but I think that like the foreshadowing of that like line, like in a hundred years, who's gonna care? Like exactly. It's like the whole yeah. like like your your world's about to end, you know? So I actually think that part is really cool. Um I like that you really don't know who in God's name Kyle Reese really is until he tells Sarah what's up. You know, like think about like we've seen this movie like hundreds of times, but think about like the first audience seeing this movie, you know, like, you know, something's going on, but you really don't know anything until he explains what's going on. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had to think I had to think about that watching this from that lens. Like the first time you watch this, when the Terminator lands, he looks like a dude. You don't really even know he's a machine. Yeah, totally. And like Kyle, like you're even more confused because like I think that the people going into the movie like still like – I mean the, the the movie poster literally just says Schwarzenegger at the top. So it's like you know that you're dealing with – like you know that Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. So you at least know that much, right? Yeah. But like when this human falls from the sky and like seemingly is like not indestructible, you know, it's like you're like what – what is going on? Like, who is this guy? You know? So really, I really like that a lot. Um, the tech noir shootout scene and the chase that follows is like gold, like top five for me. Could you imagine that shit in a movie now? I mean, like it's just basically looks like senseless killing of civilians, which that does happen. But I mean, dude just pulls out a shotgun and lets it rip. And you see him this this resonated me when I, when I was watching it because I was thinking about like when Columbine happened, you know, yeah. like the reports of like them firing off the rounds and like taking time to reload and kill more people. Yeah. Like the Terminator like walking around Tech Noir firing off those rounds and then like you see him start to reload his clip to try to kill Sarah right. in the middle of the scene. Like that's that is unsettling. Which even like, yeah. yeah. Which again, no, no, no. if you watch this for the first time up until that point, you still don't know that he's a machine and the other dude, what his angle is. He's just stalking this woman and the other guy shows up who, you know, the Terminator shows up. You don't know he's a Terminator yet. It just looks like two dudes fucking firing it off at a discotheque. It's crazy. Right. It, the movie is a mind. <laughs> 
Um, the eye scene, iconic, obviously, cutting your, your eye out. Um, Michael Bain's performance at the police station is a highlight for me. Like when he's telling Silberman like the whole thing and he's yep. being questioned, you know, yep. I think he, he, his performance in that when he like is speaking to the camera, basically here's the thing. You could chalk that up to like a, like over dramatic scene. But the truth is, is that he's like literally looking at the camera, knowing that people are watching saying like, dude, stop fucking wasting time. Like, like he's pleading to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just want to say one thing real quick, not to like, I don't want to fuck this up, but like that scene is the exact scene that is in T2 with Linda Hamblin. Hamblin. It is the exact same thing. It's like the exact same thing. Released seven years earlier and done much better. I agree. But but I'm just saying – I'm just saying like how there's just so many things about that – about T1 that just is – he just does the almost exact same way in T2 and nobody like thinks about it like – they yeah, don't even, totally. It doesn't even come across. It's like the same fucking thing. It's like insane to me. Anyways, it's, it's, it's funny because it's it's like this. What is that saying? It's like what I am, you will become. Right. So I mean, she. Everyone thought Reese was batshit, but obviously, she becomes what he says she becomes. Oh yeah, which yeah. is just like what he is because he's mm-hmm. he's seen it firsthand. I don't know. I think that's pretty cool that it's it's pretty absolutely. I think well, it's an it's an intentional callback exactly to the movie, you know. So no, I I I I, uh, I agree, Antonio. It's like a really <laughs> incredible like thing that he does that like really doesn't get much, like it doesn't get brought up, Mm-mm. you know. No. Um, and then I've got two uh, two more here. Police station shootout is like. I mean, God not dear. not God just for anybody, not just for you know some a cab motherfucker, but like seriously, like one of the coolest fucking scenes. Like the, the coolest thing, the coolest thing about that though is everybody fucking dies. That's the coolest <laughs> thing about it. Everybody dies, not, even like the detectives. Everybody's fucking dead. Like because you know, then at that point, it's like, where's the movie gonna go? Because uh, some of the characters that were being introduced, specifically. These detectives yeah. that were hot on the kid, they're gone. So Sarah Connor is fucked. Like, what is she going to have? Like, she got nothing else to do. You know what I mean? We Nowhere else to turn now. It's totally. Cool. I like it. Yeah, I think, like, the the bleakness just continues and intensifies yeah. there. It's like, it's like, and uh, more foreshadowing. When Latrina Trax was, like, you know, saying, hey, that couch is very comfortable. We got 30 cops in this building. Right. It's, it's like, fuck <laughs> you. Yeah, there's, no, there's no safety. You think You're, you think Skynet's fucking bothered by that flex? Fuck you. Yeah, right, uh, exactly. So last thing here, the explosion and the ending in the factory. It's just like so evil. And usually usually the term is, is anticlimactic that gets used in reviews, but I, I'm saying climactic. It is it is super evil and climactic that that scene and it's just like an unbelievable cherry on top of like a perfect action film so can i can i go back real quick to the uh the thing that i feel like you definitely need to talk about with the police station it's obviously there's the iconic i'll be back and then it comes back 
by plowing a fucking car <laughs> into the, the 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 desk sergeant. That's actually part of my questionable later on, but but it, 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 no, it's not. I'm not questioning that it's fucking sick. Yeah, and yeah. a thing that I realized today, you know, famous last words. That's literally the last line he has in the movie. After that, he doesn't talk anymore. No, he yeah. does. He says he says fuck you, asshole. Dude, oh, at the all right, all right. Okay, <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, dude. I would, I would have liked to have given you that one. Yeah, that does come later, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's it, it can be argued. Oh no, he after that he says, "Give me your address there." When he calls the hotel. Oh, from from mom's house at the cabin. Yep. Yep. And yeah, doesn't doesn't he have like twelve lines in the movie or something like four, that? I think I read fourteen. It's yeah. Crazy. But I mean, he doesn't. Okay, he doesn't talk much more after saying, "I'll be back." It's crazy, but it's a good. It's a good line. Um, it's a famous Arnold line that exists. Absolutely, Antonio. You got any other rapid fire goods? No, like I mean, just just what I said about like technology. That was like my biggest thing. Uh, John really covered the. The other piece, which was the the shootout that I I wanted to talk about in the police station, but he'd already covered that. That was pretty that was pretty insane because, like I kind of alluded to, like you get it. You, there's not a ton of characters that you like grow grow with in the in the movie, right? Like in a lot of movies, you have like background characters and this and that. Those 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 background characters get killed off pretty, you know pretty quickly, right? And the detectives really kind of like are what her you know, her big hope is next to like Tyrese and trying to feel that out. And then when they get killed, it is like, it is like, damn, like, what do you do now? And like, you sort of were invested in like this potential outcome that maybe the police were going to get involved and do something. And they were fucking worthless. You know, they were And so now you're just stuck with basically three characters now that you're following for the rest of the movie. And I think that to me, I think that's, pretty interesting <laughs> yeah that just made me think that you know in a lot of movies especially from this time i think about it a lot in slasher films right after the climax of the movie the police show up and then you get the sense of well everything's gonna be fine now yeah in this movie he literally just combats the fucking engages the police in the middle of the movie so you, we now know that is not an option I mean, what's the next option? Call in the military? Well, who's going to call him in? He's fucking destroyed all of the Los Angeles police force yeah. single-handedly. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah man. A um, couple other uh, little quick goods for me uh, as far as casting goes. I love seeing Dick Miller. Dick Miller's the the guy at the gun store. He's oh, like yeah. Gremlins. Grade A character yep. actor Dick Miller. In fact, yep. we used to have on this podcast the Dick Miller Award for that guy, the that Sick. guy award, essentially. Love seeing Dick Miller. Also, another one of my favorite character actors of all time in this, Lance Henriksen. Love oh, Lance yeah. Henriksen. He's great. Awesome. Um, and and also plays kind of, it's funny, he plays kind of a uh, a meek role in this. He's kind of like, he, he gets uh, pushed over a lot, pushed around. You know, he, you know he auditioned to be the Terminator? I think I yeah, did read that. I heard that that story's awesome, dude. Where yeah. he, he basically shows up with Cameron <laughs> to the the execs as Terminator. The shit's awesome. It's a cool story. <laughs> I could see him. He could have been like a good like Robert Patrick Terminator, like a lean. You know, I could see that. 
T2 yeah. type of character. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know about you guys, but I had a pretty big crush on Linda, Linda Hamilton, you know, from this movie when I was a kid, at least. I think she's a babe in this movie, but that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was just saying today that I think that the ideas of like feminism and strong women first yeah. occurred to me in this movie because of her character. You know, and then yeah. obviously in T2, she becomes like uber badass. But Totally. Well, I'm like a firm believer that for T2, her character in T2 is basically Ripley. So he basically took what he did with Ripley in Aliens yeah. and then emulated that for T2. Because, yeah, she she's amazing in T2 in terms of like what you, you guys are alluding to in terms of like feminist, like strong role. Like she's just like very much like empowered. Like it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um Obviously, we've talked all around this amazing practical effects, but I also have this in my questionable a little bit, I guess, because for me, it's like, I guess I'm kind of stepping ahead a little bit, but I love the prosthetic Terminator head practical effects, but it also looks incredibly fake, obviously. Yeah, it does. Mm, but you know. to but me, it's like, I, I don't care. Do it, yeah. You know? yeah. No one cares. Right. Because it looks fucking rad. The other, the other scene, it reminds me of like when you watch the original Clash of the Titans and you see the Medusa head. Oh, yeah. When yeah, the yeah, Terminator's yeah. walking to the factory door and they close it just before he gets there, his jarring yeah. movement, it just adds to the creepiness of it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to be smoother than it is. You know, yeah. I like a kind of jarring sort of stop motion look to it. Uh, and I wanted to say, when Arnold gets his eyebrows burnt off, he yeah. looks utterly unhinged. Yeah, <laughs> I've, so. met, I've met one too many oogles with their eyebrows right. cut off. So, like, I I know what you mean. I mean, there isn't there isn't a person in in history that looks not terrifying with their eyebrows burnt off. Right. But, so just like adding that to this guy, like they, yeah. they knew, they knew, they, yeah. they knew. They're like, uh, oh, this is going to really scare people. Right. Uh, that's all I've got. Cause we've already covered everything else. Um, I didn't, you know, again, the nightclub scene to me though, like is such like, it's like the center point in this movie. It's the fulcrum that everything else kind of like, I think kind of revolves around. It's, it's so insane. <laughs> I think, I think that like we're, when we're talking about the cop shootout scene and the, the nightclub scene, it's like one thing to be said about this movie is that it is like, it is so violent. Yeah. And the like, nightclub scene is pretty fucked up though. Cause, cause that's where he just like killing like innocent people. You know what I mean? Like just bystanders. Yeah. And that's like, I think, I mean, you know, like the cops are portrayed as innocent people as well. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, obviously like (laughs) fucked up people like us can be like cheering in the theater when that scene happens. But like the general, like Norman Corman viewpoint of this is that those people were innocent as well. Right. Well, but also, and I know we've talked about this since you guys have been on, but like I talked about it with Pat a lot too, like all these movies that we grew up with being kind of in the same age range, we were clearly inculcated with this idea more so than now that like cops are the good guys. So, you know, there was never like a thought to me that like when I, you know, 
I would see the cops getting mowed down when I was a kid that I was like, fuck. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that sucks. The cops are getting fucking wasted. (laughs) You know, I guess what I'm saying is that those two scenes together, like exemplify, like just this, like very, very violent, like terrifying display of like innocent people just getting annihilated. You know? And and I, I don't really know. Looking back, there's a lot of violent movies with, you know, authority figures being mowed down and shit, I guess. But that was probably pretty bold to show a fucking, you know, the Los Angeles police force just getting slaughtered. Also, quick, before we move on, the, the, the... I, I feel like at some point I developed like my favorite kill in the police station scene and it has to go to when that one cop like shoots him and then he starts to run away down the hallway and like just very slowly Arnold just takes out the shotgun with one hand and just like shoots him in like looks like the back or shoulder and yeah. he just he just flips him. Yeah. Yeah. That, we laughed at that today, actually. Dude, that kill is Fucking unbelievable. Yeah, it's yeah. brutal. Uh, so, Brandon, you got any final goods before we move on? Uh, 45 long slide. Um, <laughs> I can't remember because I, I, on Audible <laughs> at one point, I got Schwarzenegger's autobiography. I don't know if it was in there. I can't find where the tri- in the trivia, but they wanted to put the, the laser sight on it because it looked small in his hand. Like it didn't look mm. like it was fitting wow. for, so um, you know Damn. that that was the part of the trivia. If you go through it, that was like a complete prop creation and stuff. But that's cool. That's actually a um, that's a real gun. It's kind of an unusual gun. Um, it's called an APC Hardballer, but it looks badass. I, I, yeah. I was kind of like a really into firearms when I was a kid, and that was one of those things. Was like, damn. That is awesome. <laughs> no, that gun is fucking sick, dude. Yeah. Oh, I had one, yeah. one good, one more good. Sorry, I just wanted to add that I did have on here were the gargoyle uh, sunglasses that he wears. So, oh, yeah. like, yeah, it's good. pretty, pretty, pretty incredible. Um, yeah. Obviously, like, yes. There it is. <laughs> um, and, the, pretty, and the 45. There it is. All yeah. yeah, there it is. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool, like, uh, uh, like, prop itself that obviously, like, ex- you know, makes makes him more cool without knowing he's like, you know, terrible, right? In the movie. Right. And obviously by the time, you know, you get to T two, it becomes very much part of like the fashion of what a Terminator is, right? So but but those those sunglasses were were nuts. I actually think that like I've read different things that that company makes or made safety glasses and it was Safety glasses that were sunglasses that like could be worn as well, so they like doubled as as both. But I don't yeah. know. I always thought they were cool. I'm just I'm so yeah. glad that they didn't I you know uh, make like cult and iconic those fucking old people like blinder glasses. Oh you know, yes, yes, oh, yeah, yeah. cataracts glasses. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> where they where where it's completely black on the sides to not yeah. freak yeah. them out from their peripheral. Yeah, that shit's yeah. funny. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, to- I mean, if that's really something I feel like needs to be driven home is he just looks really cool in this movie. Oh, like, dude, the jacket so that he that he ends up like getting like it's he looks awesome. He looks like he's got shoulder pads on too when he's like walking. It looks nuts. 
<laughs> Dude, in that weird like space that space shirt, <laughs> the punk that he stole yeah. from. Oh yeah, so yeah. Sick. It's got like, planets on it. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's funny. <laughs> so funny. Okay, Mads, go ahead. All right, Antonio, you want to want to start? Um, man. Okay, I want to start by saying like, I don't. Uh, these might be more questionables than bad. They're bad because I feel like. It, because they don't make sense, but I guess it could be questionable because I don't think there's like anything that's like overtly like bad about the movie. But I'll, I'll start with like uh, two things that have always kind of like bothered me. So again, yeah, they could go in either you see order. Them as negatives, they count as bad in my opinion. Like okay, even, even if they're questionable. So all right, so when the Terminator goes into the gun store and asks the gun guy. For uh, what does he call it? A phase plasma, plasma rifle, rifle with a 40, forty watt watt range, forty watt range, forty yeah. watt range. Yep. <laughs> like he's like he's supposed to be like intelligent, right? He's he has to know that they don't have this fucking gun at the gun store, right? Like oh, nice. he has to know this. Why? Why would they? You know, why would he ask him for this gun that he knows doesn't exist? Because he comes from the future when it was made. So, like, that always kind of bothered me because I'm like, I, I, you know, I was like, is he is he playing him? Is he trying to like see? You know, if he's like, he can't be funny. He has no sense of humor, right? So it's yeah. like, I thought that was kind of like weird, and maybe I don't know. I just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the next thing is Kyle Reese's entire story of why he's there it's kind of like i think i think he knows that he was like that he was sent there to have sex with sarah connor and <laughs> and and so like the whole like epiphany that he has and like kind of like and then tells her and like he's got like the the photo that he's like given i just felt like they could have done something better with that like in terms of like trying to communicate what his whole purpose was there you know um he those are like my, my two big he, things he easily could have just been like listen i haven't seen a, a porn mag in like 30 something years so i just jerked off to your picture every day while <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean like you know he says that john i don't can't remember the exact quote but he says john connor gives me this picture and basically says that it's like you know like to keep it it's like important and that your time will kind of come basically right to like you know fulfill whatever right so um i think him going back in time and then like like just like acting like he's kind of like putting the pieces together and he's like you know we just got like this like crazy car chase <laughs> you know like let's just do the damn deed right now and then afterwards right. i'm gonna make some pipe bombs you know like are you down like that's like <laughs> some straight up like it just like i don't know it just i felt like they could have done like something a little bit better in terms of like trying to tighten up what that what that story was and i think he and i think the whole like kind of like play of him sort of like coming to the realization of it i think was like kind of i don't know but those are my two those are my two big ones to be fair he makes the pipe bombs before they have sex is it before yeah you see that on the ledge of the of the of the hotel room yeah oh that's right yeah that's right yeah yeah they're they're like playing with each other she throws them fast after they fuck and it's like oh yeah yeah, you can tell this guy got laid for the first time (laughs) yeah he actually smiles too i remember that scene he actually kind of smiles he's like uh he's so intense throughout the movie um but yeah can can you imagine the morning breath those two had like dude he never brushes his teeth not once 
He probably never has in the future. It doesn't even matter. You don't need no to. No way. He's got fucking gingivitis or whatever. Um, <laughs> there was one, one last thing. One last thing I just remembered. The phone book. The phone Dude, book. I had that too. <laughs> the ter- he's the Terminator. <laughs> what the fuck is he doing looking up Sarah Connor in the fucking phone book? You know what I mean? Like you – why would oh, you need to do that? That's not what I meant. I'll, I'll should, go into it. You should, you should know like – as the Terminator, why would you need a phone book to to locate like this person? You're the Terminator. Well, doesn't he? Yeah, kind of I, ex- yeah. he does explain that. He says he said Connor knew nothing about or Skynet. Skynet didn't know. Skynet knew nothing about Connor's mother. Only oh. the city. That's it. Okay. So my 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 question was different then. So I'll wait till we get to it. Then it was different than what you were you were thinking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just thought that like with him being, you know, as smart as he is, as like a machine that they, that he should have been able to find him. And also too, also as well, I should say is that when he looks her up in the phone book, the address for the first house he goes to, isn't even the address that he pulls up. So I don't know. I just thought like, I don't know. I think the phone book thing was just kind of like, I felt like there was probably like, there should have been a, uh, a more sophisticated way for this intelligent hunter, predator, terminator to find her. But anyway, those are the those are my 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 bad. I'm going to I'm going to piggyback right off of that. And my first bad is that yeah, none of the house numbers match with not just the first house that he goes to but but also Sarah's apartment. Neither of the numbers cuz you see the number on Sarah's apartment that mm. Kyle and the Terminator supposedly look up to go find him. Neither neither of the numbers match in the phone book, which is like very lazy. Like, I wonder though, I wonder if that's one of those things like where real phone numbers aren't used in movies. That way that like people who are fanatics can't fucking call a number and find a real person or something. Or if it's- yeah, but, but but then how did they get there? The whole idea is that they looked this up to find the place. Yeah, I get you. I get it. So, but yeah, I mean, so that that was my first bad. I think that's just like obviously incorrect, right? Um, I hate the scene where Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant Traxler says, "Give me a cigarette," and he's holding it already, and he's like, he, uh, you know. Um, he gives him like the pack of cigarettes and he like is about to like take it out and light it but he sees that he's holding a cigarette a lit cigarette already mm-hmm. like you're supposed to get this idea that he's like a stressed detective yeah. and like out of his mind or like had like 80 cups of coffee or whatever but it's just so fucking dumb like yeah. it's just a, a really stupid quick scene that shouldn't be in the movie I, I wonder I, I have something to add to that but it kind of plays into the trivia there was cut scenes that show that he was like believing Kyle Reese. And I wonder if that was just like a bad Mm. poor editing job that that would have been better if the rest was in that he's so frazzled by this, you know, future that he's coming to believe that he's just not even paying attention to what he's doing. Yeah, totally. That's interesting though, because I wonder how, because it's a, it's a, it's a scene that doesn't really cut at the time. Um, he, cause he says, he says, I just called her, call her again. 
give me a cigarette. Like there's no real cut there. So if that was in fact like a, like meant to be like sequenced differently, I don't know how that would have happened in this case. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just not done well. That part. I don't like it. Um, another bad for me, Silberman checking his pager. This isn't questionable. This is just dumb. Like when the Terminator comes in to, to first ask if he can like, you know, respectfully sneak past security to go kill Sarah Connor. Um, Silverman checks his pager and conveniently doesn't see the Terminator walk in. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. He does like a, a little spin out the door and misses him. Yeah, I hate shit like that. There's been stuff like that in other episodes that I've brought up where it's just like, fuck you guys. Like, <laughs> that, that's not clever. That's just dumb. A total, um, bung, a total bungle. Just whoops. <laughs> like, come on, come up with something better than that. Um, have him hit him with the door or something. Like, that would be more practical. Um, okay, this is a bad for me, and I don't know what, what kind of discussion this is going to open up, but I, I'm open to it. So the sex scene. I understand that it's important to be in the movie. Okay, I understand the importance of the sex scene, but – I think that in order to fit the the rest of the climate of this movie, that that scene could have stayed in, but without the explicit visuals. Um, that's not to say that I wasn't like young and appreciating nudity in this movie, but at one point. But I'm just saying, like the 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 intensity of like the the nudity and the visuals in this scene just really doesn't fit the rest of the movie in my opinion like at all so i consider the sex scene a bad um i'm what actually rude. <laughs> what rude i mean I if we're supposed to believe that this dude is having his one romantic night yeah we gotta see the fucking He's- cans are you kidding yeah, me? He's never been laid. He literally is losing his virginity right there. To, the, kinda, to the only woman that he's ever seen in a sexual way. I mean, he's got a 100% track record. He's he's, good. Apparently, he, la- he lasts like a, a pretty long time, too. For being I, thought that too. Right, you know? I thought that, too. I thought that, too. You would think he'd be like a two-pump chump, but like he's yeah. he's got uh, moves. I mean, is, I find that as a questionable actually right there. Considering <laughs> considering he's traveled like 40 years back in time to get some nookie, I think <laughs> that we as, you know, viewers deserve to see a little skin. I figured, I, figured this, I figured this one wouldn't land and that's fine. Um, but I, I will say this gives me a chance to revisit something you said earlier, Adam, about having a crush on Linda Hamilton. I would say that I could, I could, I could go with you on that until I see Sarah's O face. And it is literally like, it is literally like she is trying to push out like the biggest dump that you could ever imagine, like unsuccessfully and still can't get it out. Man, it's like the most uncomfortable constipation look that I think I've ever seen ever on a human. And it's while she's getting pumped. Punchy, punchy. He's prude and shallow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> People can't be hot at every moment, Morris, you fuck. I'm just I'm not some like dude, I'm like the, the guy that's like least been laid ever. 
Okay, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like that. Like if we're going strictly off of visuals in this movie, like my crush ends there. I'm just John, saying. I'll, I'll be honest. I I agree with you in that I actually I actually don't like that scene either. It's not because of for those reasons. I just think that <laughs> I just think it's like one of those stupid tropes that was done a lot in movies back then, where it was like everything super intense. All of a sudden, here's like a love scene that goes on yeah. maybe a tad longer than needs to to sort yeah. of like switch up the vibes. And like I wasn't really looking for it. Like with that movie, like with Terminator. So every time it comes, like anytime it comes on or I watch it or whatever, I'm just always like. I well, just like a little funny like antidote to this. I showed this movie, the first one and the second one, to my youngest brother for the first time ever last week, and I told him I said there is this like sex scene that comes up in the first one, and he's he's nineteen, it's like fine, but like it's not like we sit around and watch like explicit movies together. So I'm giving like a heads up, you know, like she's gonna get bones, right? So like it's gonna come, so don't be like weird about this, okay? And so. <laughs> And so, so it come like I tell him it's like coming. I was like, listen, it's it, the scene. I don't think the scene's very good, but we're just gonna watch it, right? And so, like he, he was like, he's like, is this gonna, is this what it's gonna be? And I was like, yeah. I was like, here it is, you know. And so he was like, oh, well, it's like like not that bad. And I was like, yeah. I mean, it's just like it's just not good, you know. He didn't Dude, see it my way, but you know, he's nineteen, so I promised you guys in the group chat that I would divulge this, and there's no perfect time than now. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and then then we can move on. I, I only have one more bad. I, I'll make it quick. But <laughs> I'm gonna, I want to say this was about maybe 2003. So I was around 20 years old. And my dad and I decided to watch The Terminator in our basement. And my dad's got this like – big tv and surround system that he's really proud of and we always would watch movies down there and like turn all the lights out all that right so i'm watching this movie with my dad the terminator i had it on dvd and i completely forget that there's that sex scene in the fucking movie and i maybe i should have been more mature to like not feel this way but i will tell you that like Maybe the most uncomfortable minute and a half of my entire life was watching that sex scene with my dad in that basement because both of us were completely silent. Neither of us like laughed. Neither of us like broke the ice with like, oh, this scene is terrible or like none of that. It was just neither. I could tell that neither of us knew what to say for a minute and a half. And I am like, I got to go to the bathroom right now. <laughs> I, I almost fast forwarded it. And I, it was, but I didn't, I didn't, we just watched it together. Just and it was, through it. Did you hold hands? <laughs> it was so, it was so fucked up. I, I yeah, find that, awful. I find that extremely like a very vanilla scene. I don't know what you guys are going on about. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty vanilla. It's, it's, no, I mean, it's definitely, van, it's definitely and, vanilla. And it's and just like kind of unnecessary. That's all. Yeah. And with sort of like montage music of the theme, it's, I don't know. It's more artful to me than like uncomfortable. That's that's what makes it uncomfortable. If it was just like some fucking like snuff scene or something, like that would be, you know, you could watch that with anybody. But like because it's like this like romantic, like Antonio was saying, like the trope, you know, like the the eighties, like got to have this like romantic. Yeah, they thing. had to have it in there. That's a necessary ingredient for sure. To, to yeah, get that's, what made, that's what made it uncomfortable for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me anyway. posit 
let me posit this to you, John, that maybe the reason why she's making that constipated face is, now think about this. This guy has never been laid, may never get laid again. They're like, all bets are off. I'm going to put it in your pooper. if we had some type of if we had some type of context where we knew that then obviously (laughs) i would love to know what that context could have been you know like (laughs) you know maybe they have like a little discussion about it beforehand maybe he says like listen like always wanted to try this (laughs) why not yeah Um, i mean that if if that's the face that she's making for that reason that would make this scene immediately brilliant (laughs) so so obviously that would change a lot um that i mean there's no better way to top off the discussion than that so i guess we can move on Um, I will say that the last bad for me is just Sarah's on your feet soldier when she's trying to have him get up after yeah. collapsing in the factory. Like that line is terrible. Yeah, I, I thought so too. No disputes. Anyway, that's it. Brandon. Uh, yeah. Bad. Um, no, I, I got three points oh. that I want to highlight. Okay. Uh, okay. Ginger, the roommate. I fucking hate her. Hate so much so that I will rewind the the scene to watch her get shot like six times or whatever happens. The, the, entire, the entire assault scene is stupid where her and her boyfriend get killed. Um, I could just... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. I, I, since, since these are bads, I, I, I will challenge that. Tell me why that scene is bad. I think it's like... Okay. A couple points. First of all, you have to understand that I I am completely annoyed by a person of her um, qualities. Uh, the headphones on, the very vain, jamming, jamming in the house, always jamming with your fucking Walkman to some dumb shit. She comes yeah. out after they're done fucking, uh, making like a platter of, you know, whatever and uh, some sandwich or something um Ooh. big glass of milk all this shit and her meanwhile her boyfriend's getting thrown into a fucking mirror th- you know s- through a glass door all this shit going on and she can't hear it she has no semblance of what's happening in the next room i I that's it's like a horror, horror movie trope too right there yeah yeah, yeah. and i, I just I don't like that type of person. So it tracks to me that she's that fucking like thick that doesn't has no idea that this is happening in the next room. Um, And then when, you know, it's her time to get killed. It's like, I don't know. She's just a fucking, she's a total loser. I hate her. I already didn't like her. So when she gets shot in the back, it's like, <laughs> cool, man. I, I will rewind this. You know, it's just a couple seconds. I'll rewind it to watch it happen again. I fucking hate her character. Uh, I mean, she was like, I can dig it. Yeah. So she sucks. Um, she, she makes sense for the movie. I think that there was a, you know, I think that maybe that's why I don't like it is because I, identify i know that person i know that person and i fucking hate that person so 
Um, she's a bad for me. Second bad in the police standoff, though it's really great. Um, they just stand there and get shot. I mean, they shoot him. He's not going down. You have an entire police force fucking unloading on this guy. And they just basically stand there to get the return fire. That's going to kill them. They, they use no, like any kind of combat engagement tactics at all to take on the Terminator. They just assume that, well, it's a dude. I can shoot him. No, not really any cover being made. Um, there's actually, I can't remember because the characters are just sort of innocuous cops, but he just comes out, shoots him, stands there, waits to get shot again, you know, in return. And it just goes on throughout like that. Um, I thought that was pretty lazy. Um, so that's a bad for me. And then the next bad I considered about questionable, but I think it's just bad for Kyle Reese coming through time being, you know, the protector, all this stuff of the, of the one asset, if you will, Sarah Connor to make existence even happen. It is an extreme oversight on his part when they get to the Tiki motel to go, yeah, yeah, you take a shower. I'm going out to get supplies and leave her alone for any time, any point in time. All of his faculties throughout the movie are, mm-hmm. I am here for you, you know, to to shepherd you into the future, essentially. Um, I'm just going to leave you alone, which is their critical downfall, as we find out. You know, that's how the Terminator finds them. So that seemed extremely lazy on Kyle's part and extremely lazy on Cameron's part. I think they could have figured out some other way for the Terminator to zero in on him. Um, other than that, I mean, there's other little bads, but for the sake of brevity, the, those were the major highlights for me. I can, I I can, I can second your last one for sure. Yeah, I, I feel that's a valid, yeah. valid point to make. Uh, I don't really have any bads. I just have more questions, so we can move on if that's cool. Sure. Cool. Let's move on. Uh, so let me just – I just want to put this questionable in real quick before you guys get in because we we're talking about how much you hate Ginger. Yeah. But my question with all that is who fucks with a Walkman on? That's wearing right. a Walkman while they're fucking. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't bring up that point, but yes, again, to the point of her just sucking as a fucking. She uh, just wants what she wants. I don't know. People in the eighties were fucking nuts, man. Like, <laughs> dude, the, the whole point is that like people in the eighties loved their fucking music and their hairdos and like I don't know why gadgets. Not, why not combine the two? I I I, I bought that. I bought that. She wants to listen to fucking Duran Duran while she's real. You know, like, I don't know. I I, I thought that was pretty. Fair enough. Okay. Go ahead. uh, John or Antonio, uh, take your pick. Rattle off your questions. Um, I've got a million. I I, like, because I was kind of going like, they kind of float between bad and questionable for me, like mine. I really only had like one big one that I like, I've always, I've always, it's always kind of stuck with me again. Could be bad. Could be questionable. It's the fact that the end of the movie, Sarah does not get electrocuted as she's sitting in front of the, and she's leaning up against like the metal pole as like the, Terminator is getting smashed and it's electricity is going everywhere, but it's not hitting her and she's 
literally like touching metal. Yeah. How does yeah. that? How does that not happen? She should have. She. I mean, for all intents and purposes, she should have been dead right at that point. Um, and actually thinking about it, like, um, I just think that they could have probably figured out a different way to illustrate that i guess i don't know but that was always like my thing that i would that just always kind of like bother me about about that as the movie culminated so that was that was mine that's a good questionable i didn't even think about that yeah i didn't either john all right well i'm Give gonna to us. I, I I am going to fire these off, but if anybody has any comments, I encourage you because the whole point of questionable is to see if somebody's got like a good answer for it, right? So, but some of these are just observations. First one is why is the bum wearing leggings under his pants? Yes, I wondered that too. Uh, it's cold. It's cold, man. Yeah, he's a bum, so he's wearing layers. I've, I've, yeah, bums wear layers. I've, I've been homeless. I mean, I'd certainly put on whatever I fucking had. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still think it looks hilarious. Yeah, uh, he stole my pants. Really? You look at your way. You're, wearing, you're <laughs> fucking wearing them still. What are you talking about? <laughs> that son of a bitch stole my pants. Still got the long johns though. Got <laughs> the long johns though. Um, <laughs> all right. This is this is an interesting one. What took the Terminator so long to steal a car? I mean, he, he, he he kills the he kills the punks, mm-hmm. you know, seemingly at like you know probably like a some type of witching hour, you know, probably two a.m. Maybe. Um, why why is it like seemingly eight or nine hours later into the the morning slash early afternoon that he first punches through a car? What's he what's he doing the entire rest of that time? I think I do have maybe a reasonable response to that. So we're talking about like the Terminator being obviously a highly intelligent apparatus or whatever, you know, a cyborg. So maybe part of his programming is it's rapid learning in any sort of environment that maybe he's engaged in. So let's say the Terminator gets dropped into this environment that he has no sort of associations with relative to where he comes from so he has to collect all of the data like rapidly like algorithmically so he doesn't know how to drive a car well, he, he does we, we know he doesn't because it it shows him learning how to drive a stick shift when he gets in the semi right so maybe oh. what happens is when he's getting to the city and he's he's collecting all of this just like data he's able to finally figure out like this is how I drive a car. So now I get in a car, but it takes him that long. You know, maybe I don't know. Well, here's another thing that I will, I will put towards your point is that in his future cars are, I mean, it's a wasteland. People don't really drive cars. He's probably figuring out, okay, this is how people operate and blend in. Right. And this is how people get around. They don't have hunter killers. They can fucking fly. That's what I air. mean. He has to observe his environment and collect enough data to like, kind of act like a human. But, right, it, right. But, but it is funny that when he does do it, his act of crime is in broad daylight in like a suburb <laughs> when he just smashes well, the window in. There's yeah. going to be some glitches along the way, sure. you know? <laughs> so anyways, all right, next one. Is the Terminator really programmed to just kill anyone? Because I feel like he could have left the gun store without killing that guy. So it's yeah. like 
yeah, you know, totally. obviously, obviously, you know, the whole point, I think that anyone that hasn't seen the Terminator and like doesn't know a lot about it would probably assume like, yeah, that robot just kills people. Right. Yeah. But it's, you know, there, there's, he doesn't just shoot anybody that he sees. He didn't, right? kill, he didn't kill Silberman at the door. Exactly. Right. So my question, yeah, my question is like, did he really have to kill whatever the fuck the, the Gremlins guy's name is? Hank um, Miller. Yeah. Did he really have to kill that guy? It just seems kind of like they added it in for effect, but like, you know, it's got maybe maybe a bit of laziness in terms of like continuity. Well, right? again, maybe it was his his algorithmic learning because that was what he kills the punks, takes the clothes. The next death you see that he does is the the guns the pawn shop guy. So maybe he's finding out. Well, I don't have to kill everybody because he doesn't kill the fucking dude who's like, is there a dead cat in there, buddy? It shows his responses that he could do. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, asshole. True, True, but like, like he kills the punks, like because you could visibly see that they are like instigating him. Like they pull the U.S. Like, so it's kind of like you know, in the face of of battle, you know, the Terminator will react, right? Maybe it's just like overall any type of resistance he like sees. But you know, they talk about it in T two. It gets talked about. Not that we're talking about that, but like. His whole deal of killing and everything like that does get brought up and addressed in T2. They just don't address why. Like what impulses he gets for killing people well, in that one. Right. That yeah. is true. The other thing, too, is that he was getting fucking pushed back from the gun guy because he goes, there's a 15-day hold yep. on the guns. Well, I need this right. shit. Or right. Yeah, that's taking- what I was going to say. Like I was going to follow up. Like There was some sort of indication of a threat response. Yeah, because he does say you can't do that, and he says wrong, kills him. Well, so right, but that's after he goes. There's a 15 day hold on the guns, but the rifles you can take now. When he says a 15 day hold on the guns, he's 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 chambering a, a shell of a gun because there was his resistance. You're going to hold these guns. I want to take them. I can't have you following me and making a scene. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I I, I get that. Um, how does the uh, – this is not – this is just stupid. But how does the criminal that when they first show the, the police station, the, the guy with the beard that's like, Are you fucking pigs, like wait till I get my hands on you. How the fuck does this guy expect to get away in the middle of the station? It kind of reminds me of the scene in T2 where they've got like – they're like uh, in the, the psych ward for the first time. And they're showing, they're like taking some random, you know, nut job down the hall. And she like, just like abruptly tries to like escape the grip of the person. Yeah. And it's like, what, what do you think you're doing right now? Like, what person <laughs> need you? Um, anyway, um, next one, both, both of the Sarahs that he kills before the main Sarah are 35 years old. I had yeah. that too. I was like, that is a very old 35. <laughs> it's just, it's just like such an odd, like, Oh, these, these two are both 35 years old. Like, I mean, I, I will say that there is something to be said about how people looked and dressed back then, because I have seen pictures of people that were, in their thirties that I, I thought were clearly in their like back into their forties or fifties, just based off sure. of like how, they, and so I don't know. I feel like, and even nowadays too, like 
you know, even people that are like in their back into their forties or in their fifties look much younger than they looked even in the, in the eighties too. So like that could be one of those things, but I don't I, know. Yeah. I was just saying it's a, a coincidence that both of the victims are 35 years old. Oh, I see. I right. see. I thought you were saying yeah. specifically because of like, they look much older than that. Well, no, you're always, I, that's you're always, what I said. Oh, that's okay, what okay. you were saying? Yeah. I thought they look, that, I thought that that Sarah kind of looked like an old 35, but yes, I agree. It is attributable to just the fashion sense as well, like the the shitty permed hair. And- yeah, it's like, yeah, it's crazy though to me though, like, like just not to get off subject, but just like thinking about like how much older people looked and like just like the glasses, like you know, just normal glasses that they would wear, the bigger frames, the thicker frames, yeah. stuff like that. It's just kind of like crazy how dated people looked for whatever reason back then. But anyways, yeah. All right, here's one. Why does Sarah? Not stay on the line with the police. The recording literally says, if you need a squad car to come pick you up, just stay on the line. And she gets frustrated and hangs up. Damn, I don't think I ever picked up on that. Yeah, I don't when, when she first calls the, the police from uh, – from, uh, I think it's by the time she gets to Tech Noir because that's the point that she feels like she's being file, uh, followed by Kyle yeah. after – seen the bulletin at the previous pizza place she was at right mm-hmm. so she gets into tech noir she's calling the 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 police line and it's like all lines are busy if you need a squad car please stay on the line and she like gets upset and hangs up it's like literally stay on the line this is what you need yeah what are you doing so i always <laughs> found that a little strange um why does the Terminator fight Matt instead of just execute him quickly? Well, listen, I, 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 this was like brought up earlier and I figure we're talking about it later, but like, I thought that was like one of the coolest things in retrospect of the that. movie. I love that scene. Because, just... because Matt like stands up for himself and yeah. has one of the best quotes that I have like later on uh, of like one of my favorite ones. But like, like he like actually stands up to this dude and like th- like you said like why wouldn't the Terminator just execute him like he did everybody else? But it was almost like he decided to get into like you know to fight him or whatever and he got his ass beat. But at least he like <laughs> I tried to fight for himself. You know he wasn't afraid to to do so. He's pretty badass actually. Like if you think about the fact that he's literally fighting a. Dude, he you took know. that lamp and he just fucking – it's awesome. <laughs> Imagine like someone breaks in your house and you fucking knock <laughs> your lamp. Right. Uh, that is an interesting question though. Does that kind of – it sort of goes back to you know why does he decide to kill some people and not others? Does, yeah. he, does he have prejudice? I mean does he – is it in his algorithmic – you know? knowledge base to just okay i'm gonna decide to engage in physical combat rather than mm-hmm. just fucking crushing this dude's head with my hydraulic arms you yeah know? yeah so I, I i was a lot of these some of these questions are like how is this ter- terminator actually programmed you know um Another thing, this is really specific. I'm curious what you guys think about this. When he is shooting the gun, um, when you see him shooting, I think it's the first Sarah. His he's blinking when the gun fires, similar to how a human might react from that. And I I find this extremely questionable. This Terminator is supposed to be like completely void of like normal human 
reactions to things. Mm-hmm. He is physically – you could see when he's shooting the gun, he's physically blinking yeah. well, as, that's, as a convulsion. That's funny you should mention that because in – you know, if you were to get into it in the trivia, uh, it talks about how Schwarzenegger spent like hours, countless hours working with firearms to not do that. So if yeah. that was a case, why didn't they catch that and just reshoot it? Yeah. Furthermore, totally. to your point, why he's a machine? Why is there any recoil at all of the handguns and the firearms in his hand? He's a fucking machine. I mean, I should I've shot a lot of guns. You know, you kind of know what recoil is like for a person holding it. A machine, there should be zero. It shouldn't move their body at all for the firearms he's shooting. Maybe if he was shooting like a 50 cal, it might bump him around or something. But handguns, shotgun, he shouldn't move at all. Yeah. yeah. It's totally. interesting. Um, I've got a lot more of these, so I'm actually looking through and scrapping some that don't need to really be said. Um, I'm just like being more selective. Um, why wasn't Kyle keeping his eyes on Sarah the entire time in the tech noir scene? There's a, a moment where the Terminator zeroes in on him, which is when he claims he finally identified the Terminator. But you can physically see that he's got his back turned to Sarah at the time. And he just like – like quickly notices and then is able to save her life. But it's like, it goes back to like Brandon, like you're, you're saying like, why does Kyle leave her in the hotel room to go get supplies? You know, like this is something that's maybe harder to catch, but like, he's like physically not really paying attention at the moment that this happened. Blatant oversights. (laughs) Yep. Totally. Um, the, uh, Oh, when uh, they're doing the chase and, uh, you know, the, the, the car, like Sarah flips the car into park mode and I, I don't know, maybe you guys can dispute this, but I feel like that car would have just immediately flipped over instead of doing the whole screech to a halt and then like turn. Wait, you know? wait, wait, which chase are we talking about? We're we talking about the truck yeah. and the, and the motorcycle slash semi. Uh, no, tr- no truck. When they're both chasing each other via car, and they go into the parking garage. Oh yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and like, and she's he's she's driving for him, and she's like Reese, Reese, and she like realizes that he can't stop the car in time before they hit the wall. Yeah, Terminator hits the wall, but she flips it into park in order to basically stop the car. Um, I don't. I, 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 immediately resulted in that car just like flipping. Yeah, over. I don't think that that's actually possible in the gearing. You can't. No, I don't think so. You have park. to break. Yeah, it's a safety feature. It would go to neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Why? Why does the Terminator fix his hair? Why does the Terminator hide the guns under the mattress? On and also, why does he fix his eye in the first place? This Terminator does not need to do any of this shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess to, maybe to blend in. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I th- so this is a hard one for me because some scenes I've watched this movie a lot when I was a kid, when it was on television and the eyeball cutting out scene, a lot of it's cut out for TV, but also yeah. how does he get into that room he's staying in? He just sneaks yeah, through the, the window. Yeah, the hotel room. It's just, yeah. it's just vacant or no one's checking in on these fucking rooms or what? Well, what one guy did. Smells like a dead cat in here, that guy. Yeah. I think it's a different place because in that room, I, I almost feel like 
I mean, there's like a lot of like supplies in there. There's like an exacto knife. There's like tools and shit. Yeah. Like, I almost wonder if it's like some type of like garage or something with like a bed. Mm. Who knows? Um, I'm gonna keep this moving because I, I can tell that this is taking way too long. But I, I have to get these out. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I don't have that many questions. So <laughs> the cop at the front desk, not questioning this strange guy. After being fully aware of what is going on with Sarah Connor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. This this is 99.9% not right. No. <laughs> she's uh, – you can't see her. She's being uh, questioned like, right now. Alert somebody that like some, some person's coming in and questioning about, you know? This yeah. Like the biggest mindfuck story that the, the cops have right now. And uh, – there's no not a person in that building that's not aware of what's going on. So that is are you fucking kidding me? Well, um, you file that under we always talk about cops doing their job badly. That is category. true. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. good. That is true. Good point. Happening forever. Um why does the Terminator need to drive the car through the entrance of the fucking station. It's obviously one of the coolest and funniest scenes in the movie, so that's obviously for our benefit. But there is no other behavior in this movie that suggests the Terminator wouldn't just say, fuck you, and shoot the guy and walk right in. Why take the extra time to get the car? The theatrics. Make this dramatic entrance. Why even ask in the first place? (laughs) Why even ask if you can go see Sarah and make something up? Um, okay. Why doesn't Kyle just give Sarah his coat when she says she's cold? Instead, he goes and like cuddles up next to her. You would think he would literally just be like, take this coat. But he doesn't. Hey, you kidding? Terminators don't feel pain. He does. He also is fucking cold and he's an opportunist. <laughs> he knows he's gonna yeah. gotta get laid, you know. Right. I, I that's that would be more my line of thinking. It's he's just trying to smooth up in there, basically. Hey, not a bad tactic. It worked. Uh, it worked clearly. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. All right. Next one. Sarah outruns that semi at the very end of the movie for a really long fucking time, like way too long like she would have been flattened we were just talking about this why didn't she just duck into like an alcove of a concrete piling on one of those many buildings she passes and get behind the truck he can't just do it yui super easy totally um similar why why do they run into the factory they're literally breaking a window to break into a building instead of just running away from this crippled robot panic that's like the whole like horror movie like oh why is the why is the woman running up the stairs when she'd be running out the she should be running out the front door why are they literally making these efforts to break into a building that they cannot escape out of instead of just running down the street um i've only got two more okay (laughs) how is the terminator walking during the fire like when he's burning a lot like burning alive how is he walking one minute then collapsing the next then rising again this this terminator theoretically doesn't feel pain or heat exhaustion or any of these things well why is he like struggling to like get out of this fire and then 
once he's actually had his skin burned off, then he then he regenerates. And, and I mean, is there anything that says that heat disables the machine? No. Kind of assumed, right? Because it's just like, yeah, you know, well, heat and everything, you know, like it, affect. And I know we're trying to to isolate this down to T one, but D two, yeah. you see him shut down, and then backup boot up power brings yep. him back. So you know, it's explored that these machines have some type of like backup ability to to power on. Right, but I guess what I'm I'm trying to decipher is like, why would like. Why would this this uh, I mean, if he's if he's walking through the fire, it means that the explosion is not what fucked him up. Right. It's suggested that the 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 like almost like the Terminator would be dying, be, be like a, the way a human would by being burnt to death. Right. So that just I don't know. I mean, flesh is melted off and then the Terminator's back back to. How about one. this? Maybe it was all a cover. Maybe he was trying to appear dead because he's obviously having a tougher time than he thought he would to get these guys. Yeah, he's playing, he's playing dead. Yeah. 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 Final, final questionable, and I, I truly didn't realize how long this would take when I wrote these all out. But um, why when, – when they finally get up the stairs after like they come face-to-face with the Terminator – why do, don't they both continue running? Why does Kyle now decide, all right, it's time to go head to head. I don't have a gun anymore. I'm going to use this, this pole and try to try to just duke it out one last time. Like wh- why wouldn't they both just continue running? Like Kyle knows that he's no good to Sarah if he's dead. He essentially commits suicide during this part. Yeah, but he essentially was ready to die in the truck yeah. when they got flipped over, too. She, that, that line you so hate, well, no, that comes later in the factory, but she forces him to get up. She's like, no, go on without me. Go on yeah. without me. And then when they're in the factory and he falls down after switching all the shit on and she says that line that you hate, yeah. you know, he was ready to give up then, too. So he's he's like at the he has no gas in the tank. That's the way I take it. Well, right, but okay, that's that's a little bit more understandable if he's like if she hasn't like motivated him to get up yet and he's like about to fucking die or feels like it, right? Then yeah, you could maybe explain his mentality being or like whatever mentality is left him being like I'm done. This is it. But like he is like back on his feet. He's got his energy back up. Instead of running away, I, I'm, I maintain that he essentially attempts a suicide mission at this point, which is – Well, he, it he works. Anybody, he cannot defeat this Terminator with a pole. Sure. Right? And he knows that his mission is to protect Sarah. He knows because he said it earlier, the Terminator will not stop ever until Sarah is dead. Why does he – sacrifice himself in that moment instead of running with her to regroup and form a new plan. I got two reasons for that. Perhaps. Perhaps, number one, he's doing the sneak attack because he does turn around with a pipe bomb, stick it in, and try to get away, but he dies in the explosion. So maybe that whole pipe fucking thing was some out of desperation, but some out of, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get close to this thing 
to yeah. make this bomb attack work. And, and, and in that moment, the, the twofold point of this is maybe after consummating, you know, banging the fucking mother of the future or whatever, maybe he realized <laughs> yeah, I am that guy and I am supposed to die before the revolution, you know, before the uprising. So Fair he didn't, didn't want to, you know, butterfly affect the future too much. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I, 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 can, I can take that. Anyway, that's it. I'm done. All right, Brandon. I got three points. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'll save. I'll save my main point that I've thought my whole life that you and I have talked about on many times to Danny's um, <laughs> in the middle of the night. So, uh, plasma rifle with a forty watt range. Forty watt range. What the fuck does that mean? Wattage is <laughs> a <laughs> measurement of 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 power um yeah you know 40 watts electricity like what is that just jargon thrown in that i'm supposed you know supposed to feel like the future i thought there was something they could have done better than that because that doesn't make any fucking sense to me 40 (laughs) watt range um well and also really i mean if it's about power if like let's say if they're trying to like relate it to laser power or whatever let's say 40 watts is not a lot. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. A tube, a fucking basic tube amp has like a hundred watts. You know? Yeah. A microwave yeah. has a lot of wattage. I don't, don't quote me. But, um, right. <laughs> yeah. 40 watt range. That's fucking weird. Um, where do you, okay. You kind of mentioned this, John, but I don't really know that it's, it's specified. Isn't it convenient that there's a bunch of medical tools in whatever area? I thought it was in the hotel room, which suggests that he procured this shit in the event that he might have to do surgery, I guess. But where did the the, the T-800 get medical tools? You know, or even crafting mm-hmm. tools. Like the one is like an, uh, clearly an exacting like knife. It's yeah, a scalpel, yeah, yeah. but that's, yeah. Can't, couldn't look past that. Um so it, this comes up in the trivia too, but Michael Bean almost didn't get this part because he did like a Southern accent during his, his inter his um, audition, you know? And um, I guess he was kind of like, he didn't really realize that it. it was coming off of a movie he had already done and he just kind of did it. And so he came back in, somebody talked, you know, talked Cameron to give him a second shot and he did it again. They liked his acting and they didn't like his accent. So, because it was, it, it made him seem too regionalized. So how is mm-hmm. it the star of the fucking thing is Austrian, and that gets a pass? Right. <laughs> I mean, at that point, if that is the excuse for not almost axing Michael Bean, have the Terminator say nothing, just be a fucking marauding machine. You know, maybe yeah. maybe they thought like, okay, this accent is pretty sick for this killing machine. <laughs> Yeah, you know, bringing more into this is that's just too much. Right. That's just this. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go European, but not not down south. No, oh, no, <laughs> that that doesn't fly in the future. Um, let's see, the ice cream scoop kid. We already kind of mentioned him. Where's his fucking parents on that shit? The drops are scoop in, and then they're like, "Oh, isn't that a shame?" Parents, no reprimand, nothing. They say nothing. 
that doesn't surprise me at all based on some of these fucking idiot asshole parents that I see when I'm trying to discipline my own kid. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean like by, by all means you are correct in that, that those parents should be saying something. I mean, for sure. the eighties, isn't this the, the golden age of like beating your children or that swan song? <laughs> yeah, beating your corporal children? punishment. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. So, um, lastly, and this is the, this is the point that I have tried to make with, with studied minds for many, many years. Who is John Connor's original father? Now think about this for a minute. And this is what I was talking about in the yeah. beginning. If you talk to people who subscribe to quantum mechanics, quantum theory, they will say he gets trapped in a loop and it was always Reese. It, 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 you can't get right. out of it. Well, that doesn't make any sense. And use practical thinking. Adam, you're older than me. So suppose I'm the Kyle Reese. You send me back in time and I bone your mom. Well, you had to have a different father than me to, like get, this is going. to get to the future in the first place. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, that's like one of the time plot holes. And they kind of exp- they kind of go into it. Well, who's this mystery man? I should know so I don't you know, tell him to fuck off or whatever she says. And then he starts to tell her what he knows. He doesn't know much because John never really talked about his dad. And then she cuts him off and then they just decide mm-hmm. to fuck. But like, wouldn't he, wasn't he always intended to be his dad, which That's- is why he was sent back in the first place. Cause like, it was like, you had to like have sex with, you couldn't be anyone. It was, this person had to have sex with Sarah Connor. Right, 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 right. But here's, this is my, this is the, this is the real boogaboo for me. John Connor uh-huh. is the older man. Therefore Kyle Reese did not, was not even existence. He says, I wasn't around when the the initial uprising uh, I happened. I see what you're saying. So okay, he's, not yeah, even born, he's not even born till the future. So yeah, Kyle, yeah, yeah. They, they go more into this in the TV show too, in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which is unbelievable if any of you haven't seen it. But um, say that. They, they, they go into that a little more too. And like Kyle is like – Eight years old or something when the yeah. when the bombs dropped. In, in any in any parallel in any timeline, if you watch that um, mm. Christian Bale one, he's like a teenager yeah. or like yeah. a a young adult in that too. You know. Yeah. Um. So at some that's point, a good point. I hadn't thought about that. That is a really good point. Yeah. That it, I mean, it's funny. It's funny where our minds go because I've thought about that my whole fucking life, and I talk to people and they're like, "It's Kyle Reese." It's Kyle Reese. I get that quantum mechanics doesn't work on a linear timeline, but the reality we live in does. And this also suggests that it's not parallel timelines because if it was parallel timelines, why would they send anything back in time in the first place to, to to affect the future? Right? Well, Mm -hmm. if, if time, if, if you subscribe to parallel timelines, when you send someone back, they're no longer on that time um, um, stream. They're now on, branched yeah. off to a new time stream. So it's completely moot in the first place. So that's my huge question with this movie. I try and overlook um, because I like it, but it doesn't make any sense. It's uh, you know what? I will say this. Maybe, maybe I'm not understanding this correctly, but if they change just one thing, I feel like your initial question would be, 
really the piece of the puzzle. When you initially said who is his real father, like his original father, if Kyle hadn't said that thing about, I know he dies before the war, where you're supposed to, you're led to believe he's talking about himself, right? Yeah. If that, if he doesn't say that, then what could make this all work is that for John to exist, Sarah would have had just a normal life and had a son, right? With some other guy, right? Yeah. Then with all of this shit getting fucked up with the Terminators, now because they're sending someone back, that changes the past. And now Kyle does have to become the the father and then they're in that loop. But what really screws this up is Kyle's like alluding to him being – who John's father always was. Well, in a way, but what doesn't make sense is that he was born in the future. Kyle is the, the junior by many years. You know what I'm saying? Because, because the Terminator goes back to 85. Is that right? 85? Because John is going to be born within that year. Well, Kyle isn't born until like 2012 or something. When the uprising happens, they talk about it a little more in T two when that happens, um, or not even that far. It's like in the in the late nineties is when. Yeah, no, John. John was born. Out. John Connor was born in ninety four. In ninety four. Yeah, because remember, remember in T two, not to go off, but in T two, T two takes place ten years after. So he's ten yeah. years old. Supposed to be ten years old. So that movie's supposed to take place in ninety four. Three years before Judgment Day, so so he was born in '84. Then to be ten in '94. Yeah, he was born. He was yeah. He was born right after right after that happened. So remember at the end of the movie, and she's like holding her stomach or whatever, and she's talking about she's driving off into the deal. She's pregnant at that point, right? So right. she has to have that kid. Let's say it's nine months. It's towards the end of '84, and then because that was one of the big things that I was confused me about T two. Not to go off on this tangent here, but like. A, Edward Furlong's playing a 10-year-old, which is a stretch. Right. And then B, why wouldn't they just have this take place in 97 and not 94? Like, why yeah. does it have to be 94? It could just be 97. He could be 13 years old. And they prevent Judgment Day, which happens August 29th, 1997. So, like – Oh, 97. Um, okay. 97. Yeah, so, yeah. so that, I had those questions, too. So that's, that's the important part to what I'm talking about is – is Kyle says, I wasn't around for when it happened. When she asked, like, what happened? He goes, I wasn't there. I wasn't there for the, I was, yeah, 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 yeah. therefore, he was born he after 97. I, I don't think that he, nece- is, does he necessarily specify that he wasn't born yet? He says, I, I grew up after it. I grew up after the war. Okay, yeah. That doesn't mean yeah. that he wasn't born. Okay, well, any way you slice it, he is the younger man. He's still younger. He's still younger than, than John. John Connor. So, yeah. right. So, but by the time he's sent back, it doesn't matter when or how old he is. He's going back in time. Right. At this age. But that would assume that would assume that that would always have been part of this. That would was always part of the. What point. I'm saying is that there there is, and it, it goes back to your very first question, Brandon. Like there is. Before the world gets fucked up, right? There is a a regular timeline where Sarah meets has, some guy, someone right meets some guy and has a son, and that son ends up being and when when they had to send someone back because somebody was going back to kill Sarah, 
inevitably, inevitably, Kyle becomes John's father, and the same thing is still going to happen again. But what I'm saying is that it, there is a, an alternate timeline that had to have happened initially, just like you asked. So it's like it's that's a way of explaining how it's possible. Um, okay, so I, I will conclude my points with with this, and I, this is in the trivia, but this is a great question. Why does the Terminator specify a fucking long slide with laser sight? He has an <laughs> onboard targeting system. Why does he need a laser yeah. sight? Yeah. Nope. Yeah, they're, they're also like hell-bent on, on expressing how precise the Terminator is, like in every every aspect. So it's like... Yeah. And, and that's, need any help? that's what all the sequels with the TV show, with every single... Anything that's been written in the Terminator franchise, it's like the Terminator could, could throw a marble into like... You know, and like a small hole, and like there would be no problem with with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So we, would, I agree. We would, Adam, give it to me. Okay, I just have two, and uh, I'm sure there's easy explanations, but I did think about these. Would Kyle Reese, when he would come back from the future, would he know know how to use a phone book? Would he even know what it is? Yeah, would he even know what it is? I mean. Yeah, that's a great question. Would they have phone books that existed as artifacts? Did John tell him future? use a phone yeah. book? That might be it. That's there you go. It could, it could also it could also be like similar to like how things are now, where like it's like basically defunct. Like people don't use it, but like you know what it, you know like what the purpose was. It's like kind of like a rotary right. phone for like kids like these a rotary days. Phone. Exactly. Yeah. So you kind of yeah. like know, but you never use it. But you're like. All right, like I'm going back in time. I'll know that like this is probably something that I would want to. Yeah. If you were John Connor and you were obviously intending for this mission to succeed, wouldn't you do as much training with your protege as possible? I would sure. say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Easy answer. Also, I have not used a payphone in a while, like a lot of us, but I don't remember ever having to put a quarter in a payphone to call nine one one. I've oh, never I called nine one one, so I, I. Oh yeah, yeah. I but don't think you have to pay to do that. I don't think you'd have to pay you to do that, right? Because yeah, remember, remember with the payphones, you would just call like zero. You call it collect or yeah. something like that, or you just press zero to the operator to have you connected or something like that, based off of, and then they would assume the charge. It's like, yeah, you yeah. should be able to call nine one one and have to pay for that for free. That yeah. should be a municipal <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, there we go. We got them all. Boom. Every Great. last one. fucking one, Morris. <laughs> we, we really rang this one dry. Morris. Okay. <laughs> My favorite one for me. Let's move on to the awards and category section of the podcast. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait this bench over there. I'll be back. Starting with quotes. Let's get some quotes. This is a very quotable movie, Not obviously. Much. Yep. So, well, we've got the obvious ones. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. You know... There's the uh, what is it? Uh, come with me if you. Hey, if don't you don't live. eat them all up. 
Don't take them. I'm just saying, like those off the top, but maybe give me some deep dives then. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, go, John. go ahead. I've got What's this it? one first. Yeah, uh, go for it. So from our very own Morris, you've got a serious <laughs> attitude problem. <laughs> there you go. Antonio. Okay. Um all right, don't come make back. me bust you up, man. Oh, hell yeah. That's it. That's I love that one. That's, that's don't right. make me bust you up, man. That shit's hard as hell. Like, so he, like some dude rolls in, he looks like Arnold, and yeah. he's like ready. He's like, fuck, you know what? Let's go, dude. I'm going to beat your ass with this fucking stupid ass lamp, you know? It's hard. Dude, dude I, we need to give more props to that character, man. He calls, and he's immediately having phone sex with his girlfriend's roommate. Rip off your blouse one button yeah. at a time. Or dude owns the fucking planet. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and he's polite when he realizes it's not her and like totally tries to course correct in like an earnest way, you know? <laughs> right, but then just repeats his fucking dialogue, yeah. right? right? <laughs> that, that, guy, that guy ain't concerned about going back in time to get laid. Yeah, I That's mean, right. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I got, a, I got a few of them. The, the tramp, the tramp in the alley. Hey buddy, you just see a real bright light. I love that. Just the way <laughs> yeah. he says it. It's like, you are a fucking career alcoholic. Uh, you know what? Maybe maybe that was the southern. That's all the southern accent that they could take, and that's why they couldn't let Kyle have that. <laughs> maybe okay. uh, within that same scene, Reese's. What day is it? What year? I like to say that to people when I wake up on tour somewhere and not know where I'm at. Um, <laughs> and it's funny too because the cop the cop turns up. He's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then my. One of my very favorite lines, um, and this kind of shit does not play with me almost ever. You know, the comeback, the like witty comeback or whatever, but just the um, earnest like anger and and intensity in, in Sarah when she goes, you're terminated, fucker. And she presses that button yeah. and crosses him in the press. Ooh, it gives me goosebumps. It's real good. Real, Those are all good. Real powerful. Uh, I, I didn't have anything because I was trying to keep this as lean as possible with you guys. So I'm letting you guys kind of do most of the heavy lifting. All right. Uh, so let's move on to the. Uh, wait, 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 wait. We were forgetting a very important one. And that is yeah. when the Terminator says, fuck you. Asshole. That one, that one, that's yeah. God to you. That's actually, that is my actual favorite quote. And I, I quote it all the time to anybody and everybody. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. He's just like, fuck you. It's asshole. funny that even comes up in his algorithm of impossible <laughs> things to say. Yeah, Sick. that's a good one. I like that little bit of comic relief there with that. Um, okay, so the Derek Zoolander Award for the biggest rube in the movie. Who's the biggest idiot in this movie? Go ahead. Anybody. Uh, anyone. I, I, w- I was going to say Detective uh, uh, Vukovic. They pronounce his name? V- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he literally doesn't shut the fuck up like anytime. So anytime he's like trying to explain something or talk about something, he li- literally get, just gets cut off every single time. And he, 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 he like earnestly like wants to like, he, you know, he wants to do something, say something. And literally he's like the guy, the detective guy, the other guy, he's like, always oh, like, just like basically tell him to shut the fuck up every time. And he gets like so defeated. It's like so funny to me. Uh, I said Silberman. Yeah, I, I said mean, so. It plays yeah. into the second movie too. That guy is just a constant dummy. Doesn't want to believe any of yeah. this shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. 
Conveniently, though, he did look at his pager and didn't see the Terminator enter the Once buildings. Once again, dumb as fuck. But at least, uh, at least it checks out that he still doesn't believe her in part two. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Adam. What do you got? <laughs> Uh, no, that's fine. I agree with those. Uh, the Joseph, <laughs> the, like I said, I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm, I'm taking a backseat on this one. I want you guys to to drive this this episode. The uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat Award for the best wardrobe and makeup. I mean, this is probably obvious, right? Let's just say it. The T eight hundred, the fucking German. Yeah, uh, Morris. I went with Morris. He's got the overalls. He's got the fucking Buzz Osborne haircut. Like he's he's, <laughs> he's uh, okay. that dude. That dude was in the Melvins before the Melvins, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Cosmo Crime Award for the most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. Brian Thompson, the punk. I don't know. He's just the punk. I could totally see him as a fucking uh, goofball of Kramer's cohorts or i always go to this but uh a, a possible weird Elaine boyfriend yeah weird Elaine boyfriend <laughs> but you know just like a, a fucking weird character i could see that guy in in seinfeld i could see that's a good answer i i went with the gun shop owner i that was my second that that is like a he looks like he's a he's a character on Seinfeld. Like they could have had uh, Dick I keep forgetting his name. Dick. Yeah, Dick Miller. They could have had him own a own a gun shop on Seinfeld for sure. Yeah. Antonio, do you got anybody? Uh, yeah, I went with I actually went with Ginger only because I was thinking it could have been like a girl that like Jerry was like trying uh, to date and realized how annoying she was. Uh, you know, <laughs> like that like in the first season when he's like starts dating that one girl. Um, I just thought that would be kind of funny. I don't want to hear Ginger brought up in any context that she's not (laughs) killed. That's a great answer, Antonio. That's a good one. I actually was thinking when we were talking about this that I would say Ginger too, but Ginger would be Elaine's annoying roommate in that context too. Because, you know, Elaine has that really super annoying roommate that like dates Kramer. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> and they do like African dances or whatever. <laughs> okay, okay. The Danny Trejo Award for the character most likely to have a spinoff. Uh, I kind of copped out and went with Sarah Connor because she does have spinoffs, lots of them. <laughs> the Chronicles shit, all of the you know sequels to the movie. But outside of that, um, yeah, Sarah Connor, the 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 strong woman lead. I think would be my pick. What do you guys say? I said Sarah or Kyle because of the same logic that like Kyle's in, in the other movies at times and on the show. So, yeah. So I, I actually thought like, I, I was like trying to think this through, but I actually thought Silverman because he's, he is like this apparently some well-known psychologist, psychiatrist or whatever, like in the LA area. And he's featured in the first one and the second one. So like having a spinoff about how, like other characters or people that he has like come encounter with yeah. like over the years could be something interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Thinking outside of the box. Uh, ben, you, like know, you know how people love their, their uh, psychological thrillers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that one. That's pretty good. Okay. What's the body count? Anybody get a body count number on this one? This is another one where it's just like, um, I, I think we can figure it out because, <laughs> because, they said there's 30 cops in this station, 
But we know that all of them don't die because Silberman makes it into the next movie. He's not a cop, but he is in the building. Oh, no, he leaves. In the second mm-hmm. movie, though, they, they say five. 17. So you got 17 there. You've, yep. Does the Terminator count? Yeah. Okay, so absolutely. there's 18. Kyle Reese, there's 19. Um, Ginger, the two Sarahs, we're up to 21. Um, Matt, the boyfriend of Ginger. Yeah. Um, and then how we don't, how many people know if he, Oh wait, yes, we do. Because the cop says he dies. Yeah. My, my bad. So 21, the three punks. So 24. Uh-huh. And then how many in the discotheque? I didn't count. Yeah. I don't know. Time out. Time out. Bill Paxton. Doesn't he just get knocked out for all we know? Uh, I'm going to assume knowing the Terminator's pedigree. That uh, he's dead. He's deader than fucking Dillinger. I mean, all yeah. he really does is throw him into the gate, though. All right. So let's <laughs> the discotheque. Did anyone count at the discotheque? No. I got, I got lazy with it. All right. So it's going to be 30 plus at least. We're already up to 23, 24 if you count Paxton. And I'm probably forgetting uh-huh. somebody. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, mom, the, mom the, at the cabin when he's mom, in person. Yeah. You don't see it, but it's the truck driver gets killed, right? Uh, at the end, I don't know. I don't know. You see it from afar. He's laying on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's say like fifty. Probably it's around fifty. Probably. Okay. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah, especially because because like he could have like mowed down like fifteen people in that club alone. Sure. Yeah. So. Okay. Oh, gun store guy too. Yeah. It's a, oh yeah. Right. 51. All right. <laughs> Swiggy Wormhole. Let's get some trivia. Kay. Go ahead. Uh, who's got trivia? I, I got trivia. I got trivia, baby. Check me. What's uh, let's, let's, I'm let's sure I have trivia, but I didn't like write any of it down. Okay. So, like, I'm prepared. I got it. All right. Got it All right, right here. Brandon. All right. Go ahead. There you go. Shots through the Terminator's vision shows a dump of the ROM assembler code for Apple II operating systems. If you own an Apple II, enter the basic prompt, uh, some coding. Uh, this will give you the Terminator view. Other code visible is written in COBOL. Kind of interesting. That's sick. That uh, is cool. Arnold Schwarzenegger had his eyebrows insured at Lloyd's of London as he feared that they might not grow back properly after he shaved them for the scene where he runs over a car on fire in the alley at the Tech Noir shootout. Bro, I didn't know that he did other- that. That's happened in other movies with actors where they've had to have their eyebrows shaved off or they insure their eyebrows. Yeah. I've had this. I've I mean, it sounds, it sounds vain, but I guess if your image is what makes your livelihood, that's probably important. Um, I always thought that I always thought he put, they put silicone over his eye. Cause it looks, cause it just, right. It just, it's like that bulge there. So I always thought yeah. they put something over it. Yeah. I didn't know that they shaved them off and he got them insured. That's crazy. He just had, he just <laughs> had a bulbous brow, I guess. Yeah. Damn. Um, but insured, what does that even really do? Like, is can you like have special? Like, it's like athletes that get insurance on like I heard Jennifer, on, like, you know, getting an injury or something like that. If they didn't grow back. They can get paid out for it. This could be this could be wrong, but I had heard that J Lo got her ass insured. Yeah, I've, I've heard that before, too. Okay, moving on. O.J. Simpson was considered for the Terminator. Oh, yep. Yeah. I've heard of that, too. That's <laughs> such a wild <laughs> thing. The producers feared he was too nice. 
<laughs> to be taken seriously as a cold-blooded killer in 1990. Not much of a killer instinct. Yeah, in 1990, before Simpsons trial, uh, Dark Horse Comics printed issues using his likeness. That's funny. That rules. Um, yeah, I already mentioned the body count. I already mentioned the 45 long slide earlier. So, yeah, there. I mean, there is f- fucking volumes of trivia about it. Um, do they sure. specify the body count in the trivia? Well, no. The the the, okay. the tidbit about in T two, they kind of run back over and say that seventeen were uh, for just the police scene. Okay, sure, yeah. Anyway, gotcha. Uh, moving on. John, John, did you want to give some some of your own trivia? Um, no, I can't really think. Uh, there is. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, uh, Antonio, you mentioned this when we were talking the other day, but like. Something about Arnold and James Cameron like talking like off offset, and like he said like don't tell me how to write the fucking movie or oh, something. Yeah, I, I read that one. Oh yeah, um, it was the scene about I will no, be back a, or yeah, I'll be back. Be yeah, back. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and it was the only time they really had a um, uh, dissidence with each other. And Cameron said something to the effect of I don't tell you how to act. Don't tell me how to write the movie. And I guess Arnold respected that because he did it the way that um, Cameron wanted him to. I will be back. (laughs) Think about how much that would change, though. It it would. I mean, I I get Schwarzenegger's point. It sounds more robotic to not have a contraction. But he's done other things like, fuck you, asshole. That doesn't sound like a robot. You know? Yeah. It sounds like a pretty yeah. awesome robot. <laughs> right. <laughs> a robot that talks smack. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anything else? Yeah, go ahead. Anybody else take the floor. I I've got like a few things in the back of my mind that I can't recall right now. So yeah, we must same. But yeah, I know I, mean, I know I have a ton, but I just can't think of them right now. I don't know why. Lance, Lance, Hendrickson, Lance Hendrickson, uh like applying to be the Terminator is one of was one of them that we yeah mentioned. that one yeah that one's really good because he yeah, basically like he shows up to the the studio execs. And James Cameron look, basically tells him to like dress and act like the Terminator so they could sell this like idea through. And they were like really good friends and they show up to this deal and he's fucking in his get up or whatever, acting like the Terminator in this exec meeting. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah. Schwarzenegger almost wasn't the Terminator just because Cameron didn't like him. It, uh, there, there was something in here that I read that he was, he had the out that he could say that it, it went bad, that they got in like a argument over the, over the, uh, that he was hard to work with. And that was going to be his out for, you know, not using Schwarzenegger, but I guess Schwarzenegger charmed him in his research of, and, and, and um, thoughtful prose about how a machine should act and behave. Well, yeah. he is a very charming man, and obviously, if he wouldn't have been in this movie, we wouldn't probably be talking about it right now. Yeah, so. sure. The OJ Simpson thing is is so good. Like, <laughs> it's so insane. I, I almost wish we could just keep keep talking about that somehow. But I, yeah, yeah. so good. Well, that's that's a good place to kind of wrap it up because we're like at the two thirty mark. So. That being said, it's time to create iconography and rate th- this movie. So, out of five, what do you give this movie 
Let me hear it. Five what icons? 45 long slides. John. From the leggings. Antonio. Uh, 45 wide plasma phaser guns. Oh, 40 watt range fucking plasma. Yeah, 40 watt range, yeah. Uh, out of five Sarah Connor poop shoot O faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, there you go. I mean that that is that is the new that is the new theory over time travel over everything. Did he see yeah, her ass before? Yeah. That's how he lasted so long. He went, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is this pretty? Is this pretty unanimous? Do we think this is like a perfect movie? Is this a five out of five? I I will yeah. I will not this any less than five poop shoot o faces. <laughs> yeah. For once, I think, it, John, I think it's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a five out of five, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I wanted yeah, to, I wanted to give it slightly less just for not giving it a perfect. But it is, yeah. it, it there's really, I mean, let's go through, you know, we really have nothing. We really got to drum up something bad for the bad. Yeah. I and, will say this is one of those, like, I reserve the right to give Terminator five out of five, whatever. Like, there's a clause. There was a clause yeah. when you signed up for this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and speaking of clauses, because I know it'll probably never get discussed on here. I do want to just mention as we're coming to a close of the episode that T2 is also a five out of five. And it's also arguably one of the greatest sequels ever. Yeah, great. He, I agree with that. He wanted to just slide that I in just, to get, get at you. I'm, right, just, John? I'm, just sli- I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing that in there because I don't think I'll get another platform to talk about it. So T2 is great if you like suburban commando. <laughs> yeah, Suburban Commando's great. So, you guys, that should be a that should be a midnight flicks. Yeah, we would talk about Suburban Commando. That's actually more kind of in line with the yeah. true spirit of of midnight flicks. I yeah. shot, I shot my life in the foot there because Suburban Commando is awesome. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. So again, thanks Antonio for coming on. This has been like rad. Uh, we like having guests on a lot, and uh, I'm glad that we we're finally able to make it all happen. So thank you. Yeah, thanks thank you for, for having uh, me. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for You're always welcome to come back too. Thanks so for anytime you rattling uh, Morris's cage there. Yeah, he's a fucking bitch. And I will tell you, I will tell you straight up though. Like, I was pretty, I've been pretty like held back, but I would absolutely like come back in the future because I feel like a lot of the movies that you guys do, honestly, and I love movies. I've probably seen half of them, maybe. So there's a lot of stuff in there that would be cool to just keep up with, um, to just kind of get exposed to because there's just stuff I'm just, I just haven't seen. You know? Sure. Yeah. Listen, we all. We have an open door policy with every guest, so cool. Whenever. Listen, this is making it onto the recording. Morris, you fucks, is the one that rattles cages around here. <laughs> not, not, not the newcomer fan of fan of family comedies over here. She uh, just had up. a big dog. You got a big dog, don't you? <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, you had to poke the bear, didn't you, Antonio? I just, it was, you know, I I was just trying to keep it pretty, like, pretty cool, but, you know, otherwise it would just be me and him going back and forth the entire time, and we couldn't, we couldn't do that, so fuck him, fuck fuck him, fuck him, T2 is is a good movie, T1 is amazing, we'll leave it at that. Ooh, so diplomatic. Yeah. 
I'm the okay. guest. I'm the guest. Yeah, and you, you've been nothing but a gentleman, unlike yeah. this motherfucker yeah. over here. I know. All right, so we haven't had time to really talk about it, uh, the main boys of the pod, but um, I think we should at least say that after this episode uh, gets released, we're going to be entering into October, so we need to start thinking about our October month of movies, wow. so... We're going to have a little off-mic discussion about that, but just, you know, normally everybody knows that they listen to this, that we kind of give people a heads up as to what's coming up next, but this is going to be a cliffhanger because we've got to discuss exactly what we're going to do for Halloween month. But rest assured, we're going to have another Flickstober rock block of movies uh, for you guys to indulge in, like a candy apple if you will. Uh, so stay tuned for that in October. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for our intro music. And our outro music is who, Antonio? Candy Apple, World for Sale. Great. And again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, you can email us at midnightflixpod at gmail.com. We have an Instagram at midnightflixpodcast. I actually did put a video up on our TikTok for the first time in months. So it's 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 there. So you can kind of catch us there as well. Uh, and so, yeah, so we'll see you in October. Signing off, this is Adam Walker. Goodbye. See you in the future in the time loop. See you in the future. See you, see you in the future when I'm fucking your slash John Connor's mom. <laughs> <laughs>